If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So Welcome I'm to either. the Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm really hoping it records this time. <laughs> and welcome to, I guess, our first episode that you're hearing of the Winners Edit for season 42. We're covering episode one, Feels Like a Roller Coaster. And I guess rolled into this is some of our thoughts that we had and then lost to the ether of Discord recording. Yeah, we've been honestly in a way blessed over the a couple years we've been doing this show that, I mean, I think there's something that every show has to go through at some point is technical issues. We really haven't had much except for this. And... I mean, the fact that it happened, I mean, is it great? No, but could be worse, right? Uh, you know, we still, in of, of any show to miss, I mean, we can interject some of our thoughts on the preseason, how people surprise us and stuff like that in this one. So I, it'll still be a good time. Yeah, and I mean, if I was very wrong about some of my preseason thoughts, now none of you have to hear that. Like, was I a big Roxroy? uh stan free season and <laughs> i don't know you'll never know so so yeah but this is the premiere yeah and honestly i thought this was like pretty fun like all things considered um not much i would really complain about in terms of this episode i thought it was a good fun time uh, mm -hmm. I think there was some level of weirdness in terms of, obviously, we had a medevac. But, I mean, between this and David versus Goliath, uh, as far as the two-hour premiere goes, the medevac midway through kind of works for pacing, right? We didn't have to worry about two tribals and, like, it getting too convoluted. It was just like, hey, here's this tribe. Here's how they react to an event. Uh, and now we're back into tribal mode. Like, it kind of worked in a weird way. Yeah, it gave space for a ton of development. Um, all the twists they're bringing back or bringing in. Um, things like Jackson's departure from the show. It all worked really nicely. Um, I will say, yes, I think it was a fun premiere. Rewatching it, I kind of realized it's not like one of the best episodes of all time. It really did its job, and then you can move on to next episode. I'm not thinking, wow, this was great. But but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed watching it live and seeing all that happen. Kept me really entertained. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that assessment. Like, I don't think this is one of your best premieres ever, but at the same time, I mean, I think the Survivor premiere has to do so much that, like, it's pretty rare for that to be, I think, one of your better episodes ever right like mm -hmm. there's just so much just contextualizing and background dressing and all that sort of thing just like even telling you these people's names the season name like where they are stuff like that just takes some time uh the marooning takes some time it's usually fun like it's a fun time but it is unlike every other episode of survivor where you know they don't have to introduce you to people in episode four right i feel like most great episodes are later on when they don't have to do all the relationship building and all that sort of thing. Right. It's unlike 
all the later episodes in the season, but then again, it's like every other premiere. So with that, you're always getting these same things, and yes, uh, it can be tiring to see the same things over and over again, even if it is different people. Right. It's like, what object is Survivor like now? You know, like, like you know, there's a couple things that they're gonna say. Like, they're gonna introduce the themes. That's why I usually like these premieres one for this show but also just i'm such a thematic based person i'm such a narrative person that like i love hearing to them tell us like oh what is a good survivor player this season what should i be looking out for um and it's usually pretty rich for that kind of stuff like it's a, it's a huge undertaking what they do with these premieres um in terms of getting millions of americans and people around the world to understand these 18 people in a pretty short amount of time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shorthand and it's a, it's kind of a miracle that these premieres turn out well. Um, and I had a, I had a fun time. I agree on rewatch. It was less good. Um, but like how many people are really rewatching these things? Not many. And I think they leave this episode being happy and excited for next week. Definitely. Yeah. The one thing I think we'll go through as we go through this episode is that the editing was so balanced, not just in content and that I think everyone got at least two confessionals, but also in we leave this episode thinking maybe not having the best grasp on who our front runners are, who our main characters are. Um, there's this feeling that we have front runners, but then maybe they go next episode. So it's very, it's so well balanced that it's, I don't know, it's very eerie. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love it. And I think this is something like we were talking about this about season 41, right? So with 41, it, I think it was eminently clear, at least a couple front runners or even main characters. Like, after episode one, we knew Shan was the main character of the season. We knew Evie was going to be a main character of the season, right? Like, there wasn't necessarily doubt, um, at least of the, the upper echelon. Some people, is a little bit unclear. Even someone like Ricard was pretty front and center in the premiere, right? Like, mm-hmm. he ends up growing through the season into more of a main character. But premiere presents him as one from the get-go. Uh, this season i think it's kind of fun that really we don't have that i think there's a couple people who stand as obviously that way but the people who came off as main characters to me red is also the people that don't necessarily have plot armor or necessarily the long-term character but just maybe the most captivating people for those moments someone like marianne i think was always going to get a lot of content this week um Mm -hmm. and to me that doesn't mean like marianne could go next week or be a long-term character and i really don't know because of the nature of the content which i think is actually a really fun sign for this season both for our show and just as you know a captive audience getting to meet 18 people not you know, five. Yeah, for sure. And like, honestly, I think the cast popped pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, despite that, I think sometimes you risk the chance of like the, the the argument against a balanced edit is that, OK, well, everybody says their name, their job, and you don't really get to know anybody. I do think we got to know these people for the most part overall. Like, I feel like I have a strong indication of who all these people are uh, to some level. Right. Yeah, I think it got to a point in the premiere when I was watching it live where I was like, I think I know everyone but Jackson at this point. And then that's right when Jackson tells his his fire talk. And so that sort of it was this very you got who everyone was in this season already at that point. I mean, there's tons of room to explore more of like who 
Chanel is or other people, mm-hmm. but you definitely got what their sort of status in the game was at that point. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And like, you could probably like, like, I feel like if I were to ask a casual fan, like somebody who just like likes the show, tunes in, but it's it's not a top ranking thing for them. They could probably, if you showed them a picture, say something about all these people. Mm-hmm. Even if it's maybe it's, even if it's a little vague, I, I think you could probably get there. And to me, that's the sign of a successful premiere, right? Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, last season, I think we saw Jeff Probst stand more to the side of transparency, right? Like we saw him kind of before a challenge say, "Hey, this is this is where the the hidden advantage is hidden. If they find it, great. If not, great. This is where the idol's hidden, etc." Um, and we we saw this remain here right at the start of the season he kind of says hey it's the exact same format as last season that's kind of cool that we know that already yeah i definitely liked how instead of just us having to see oh this is the beware advantage again these are these crazy idle phrases jeff was like here's the deal we're gonna reuse some stuff there's gonna be a little bit of new stuff sprinkled in but we're reusing a lot of it and that makes sense because these people haven't seen season 41 so we can't and see how it plays out this time and yeah and so that plus like when uh daniel dislocated his shoulder just showing camera crew and the doctors coming on and not being afraid to do that i really appreciate that they're committed to i know we talked a lot about it last season but just under Understanding that everyone who watches Survivor knows that it is a show, and in some ways, showing that part of it then feeds back on its realness, and you understand, yeah, there's some studio effort to this, but it's still a real experience for these people. No, absolutely. And I think that last season, I think we saw it be a lot more tacky than this season. I mean, knock on wood, it could still come out where, you know, we had last season, Jeff kind of before tribal council going, hey, so this group saying it's about trust and this group saying it's challenge strength. Audience, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to go home? Is it going to be like, we don't need that <laughs> level of transparency or like talking down to the audience i'm really glad that they opened that they were transparent without being patronizing i think is a good way to say it right Mm -hmm. like um to me this was a way better example that said i think the premiere last season wasn't as bad as you know episode two three etc in terms of that style of thing so we'll see what happens but yeah positive this time anyway Mm -hmm. um And I mean, I thought that in general, like on that note as well, maybe this would be a good time to jump into Jackson's exit. Another example kind of of transparency, right? We have Jeff Probst basically talking to the camera. Um, this came out of complete left field. Like I, this has got to be the most confusing medevac of all time, right? Yeah, I think on several levels, um, sort of just the situation of understanding why it's happening. Like I do not have a good, strong knowledge of lithium as a drug. So that was sort of interesting to hear about and how it was explained. Of course, even wanting to share that for Jackson in the first place was a thing. And then, yeah, just on the, on the literal production side, like, what was happening there <laughs> to let him play for a few days, but then have to pull him after those days. It definitely like to me and we're, we're different than the average person at home, right? Like the average person at home is never going to hear anything else about the situation. This is all they get, right? Like, Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to listen to the exit interviews and, and, and all that sort of thing and, and figure out more. And I think this this episode leaves them on like such a confusing 
note of why'd they let him play to start with. Um, I, th- I think you've seen a lot of backlash from that crowd being like, did they just use him for a moment? Like, was this just, uh, just an attempt to get him to tell his story and then he can't even play? And based on how they presented it, I think that's actually not a um, terrible line of thinking to even end up at. You know, that's sort of how it's presented on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. We, I think, now know that it was a weird situation where they had sent alternates home, and then he discloses it, and then they more or less have to make a decision. Turns out he's not doing so healthy, and that's what prompts it. But on the actual show, it just, to me, was weird and confusing. And, like, honestly, I feel like they probably... This might be an example where they maybe should have been less transparent and maybe came up with some sort of little story for it because it was like Jeff being like, so the survivor casting process legal procedure operates <laughs> under this terms and you didn't do X. And nobody has any idea what that looks like. For sure. And I think as longtime fans too, we've seen production and Jeff not treat people who have to be removed from the game so kindly, whether that's their fault or not. In this case, I feel like you have so much, um, if you're that old style of production, you have so much reason to not give Jackson a really good like moment on the show. And instead they give him one of the most glowing moments. Like they let him explore a story and they let him leave with like dignity honestly like he's not like maligned on the show for what is potentially a breach of contract i understand so right i mean he like kind of cut and dry lied to production right yeah uh about a pretty serious thing that could have gone very very badly and yeah we've seen i mean we've seen this exact production team like jeff probes go pretty hard on people for much less right like purple kelly's entire edit we talk about it a lot on this show and and elsewhere it's all making fun of her it's the from the get-go it is We'll show her as little as possible, and when she is there, we are going to be laughing at her and make her a mockery. Well, yeah, and then you think about, like, she quit, but that's in part because of what she was sort of assigned to wear throughout the season, Mm -hmm. and especially rainy season in Nicaragua. Like... Like, that's not really her fault. And yet they they have unintentionally made her, like, this iconic edit. <laughs> but that was meant to be a punishment. Um, I mean, alternatively, you can see what they did with Nayanka, which is, like, this overbearing negative presence. Yeah. That was probably a bit exaggerated for um, her sort of presence on the show because she quit. So, yeah, this is a very weird turn, I think, that also helps to throw us off, even amidst all the confusion and legalese of the situation. Yeah, I I think Jeff's just getting a lot nicer. I think that's really (laughs) what it is. Like, I think he's, I think he was genuinely very up mad at people in the teens and 20s and stuff like that when they quit. And it's sort of come around to sort of, in, even in his approach to everything, right? Back then, obviously, you heard rumors like he doesn't want to be hosting anymore. I think now he's kind of looked back. You know, he's sort of, I think, ending or coming to closer to the end of his hosting career than the start. And in those days, it was more in the middle. And so I think he was kind of deep down kind of thinking about other opportunities. Whereas now I think he knows he's the survivor guy. And he's going to, I think, maybe come to terms with that in a way of, oh, okay, I do actually really like this show. And this is my legacy. And I should be a little bit nicer. I I really think is what's going on because 
This is probably the most, if production were to be vengeful in their portrayal, this is probably the most fair one we've ever gotten from yeah. their perspective. The most reason they would have yeah. to Legitimate reason that you almost couldn't argue morally, if not logically like yeah you know what i mean like i definitely have a lot of empathy for wanting to be on the show so bad you won't to lie um i get that like i get wanting to be there so bad that you'll do anything uh but at the same time i mean he really did be very deceitful yeah for sure and that's that's uh i don't know i mean good on them for not like making him a fool but at the same time i, I honestly felt kind of uncomfortable with how much they were just kind of openly talking about it. Like, I feel like that will look very bad in his outside life, in a way. And I feel like maybe they shouldn't have brought in the contract breach and, and stuff like that, you know? Like, I, I feel like that hurts your credibility in the real world in a way that might, you may not even realize in the moment. Mm -hmm. And there's this weird... I mean, we're, we're talking a bunch about him when... I don't know what we'll talk about when we actually get to where we want to talk about him. But um, there's this weird moment of he's talking about wanting to destigmatize um, like lithium use, but then he also himself didn't tell... <laughs> about it so it's like this weird contradiction there too i don't know lots of weird things about with this yeah i don't know i i all i can hope for is that he jackson got clearance for this stuff being aired and like was talked about all the the potential repercussions and stuff that could come from from this specific portrayal so as long as that's clear then i'm happy i'm happy that he got to tell his story in a positive way um mm -hmm. in an authentic way if he was misled or anything like that I, I i do worry that that might be the case uh little light yikes but other than that i mean uh <laughs> to segue a little bit i mean the i i think survivor kind of nailed the twist joe um, a really fun TV moment was this opening challenge. Mm -hmm, for sure. With High covering himself in blood. Absolutely, to me, the highlight of the episode. Like, nothing else got to this high. Yeah, it's sort of something I didn't imagine possible before this. Like, oh, I guess yeah. they do run off sometimes to do things out of sight. But then to incorporate that into the twist was really clever on their part. And I think made for a really captivating decision. So, yeah, yeah I really loved it. I think um, the contestants themselves maybe misused their fake lie a little weird, but it seems none of them were caught in it. So, I don't know. Right, like, was no one like, where were you profusely bleeding from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was so funny. Like, like when, was it Lydia who's, like, at, at the end of the challenge is like, hi, are you okay? <laughs> like, you're, like, really bleeding. Yeah, and then even, like, Lindsay and Drea's, like, mud is, like, just very, like, obviously, like, put on, like... Yeah, it does not look, like, that's not what people look like when they roll in mud. Was... <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, very, it was very actually clever. Quote. It was mm. actually creative. It was actually clever. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I actually, I watched this, I didn't get to watch this episode live. And uh, I did see that someone had been medevaced. So I thought it was Daniel when he pulled his arm out. Um, <laughs> when he dislocated his shoulder, like, oh my god, someone got medevaced in the first challenge. That's wild. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a fun opening act. Like this first hour, I think, was just like a total banger, like total mm. home run. Yeah, for sure. And I, the only, I mean, on that note, I mean, so we see. Basically, so it's High, uh, Drea, 
and who's the oh Lindsay right um they all get this medallion we find out through Drea oh okay so it's it's sort of like a like a hitman idol sort of situation right which mm -hmm. is the one time I kind of cooled off a little bit on this because I thought it was so cool that they decided to work together because I think yeah. oftentimes we see in Survivor this sort of twist pop up and then everybody be like mm, too risky we'll <laughs> we'll take the rods or the the boat uh, pikes or whatever. Um, and we actually saw them make a risk, and that was kind of fun. And then it's immediately undermined by the fact that this twist encourages them voting each other out. Yeah, I think that is unfortunate, because I think there was this level of good complexity with just how the twist worked, and then to sort of be like, throw a wrench in that and be like, well, you wanted to work together. Now we're doing everything we can to really make you not. And it's really, I mean, it's really, so, there's so much incentive not to work together here. That, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, unless like they really get in a situation where three extra votes really turns the tide. But otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I guess that actually is a good point. I'd emerge that. That's actually kind of powerful, the three of them. Mm -hmm. uh, or two of them would be four votes, right? If one of them is clipped, that could actually be very powerful. They could, mm -hmm. what, add um um, at a final nine, they could, what, two people could almost single-handedly vote somebody out. That's actually kind of powerful, in a way. Yeah. Maybe it's less bad than I thought. Um, but, I don't know, to me, it became a little bit more hokey, but overall, I thought it was a great premiere. It was fun. I thought that Zach was a interesting boot. Uh, that was, still was developed, like a developed character. We know why they left. Mm-hmm. A compelling story as to why, and but it wasn't a no-brainer necessarily. I think maybe by the end it was, but still kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. And I think is this, and this might be. I might need to lean on your survivor historian brain. Is this the first time two people leave an episode without voting? Mm. Oh no, it would be Nayanka and Purple Kelly, right? But yeah, that's actually, true. We actually just talked about them. So never mind. <laughs> but one of the few, uh, shout out to Zach for mentioning Survivor Wiki. Um, <laughs> definitely made me like shake in my own skin. But uh, he is the first person to leave in an like absolutely unanimous vote. Yeah. He <laughs> didn't have one. It's like <clears throat> rough. Yeah, that is that is rough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's we'll talk all about everybody here um, and go into what we think is going on. But any other general thoughts on this episode? episode joe nope yeah i mean my my big takeaway is how evenly edited it was I you think. could almost say really cool well well-rounded well-rounded yes which is an amazing segue <clears throat> so what we do on this show part of it is we try to figure out what's the season about anyway right we try to tackle the stories themes motifs all this stuff figure out what this specific season saying about survivor strategy. Uh, the reason for that is that this changes in unique and dynamic ways every single season. Uh, sometimes telling people about an idol is a really good play. And then sometimes it presents it as the worst thing you could ever do, for example. Uh, and that's what one thing I love about this show is that because Survivor is an adaptable game, it can always be an adaptable story. There isn't necessarily the good way, the bad way to play. And there's not necessarily the good way, the bad way that's presented. So that's kind of fun. Um, so we go through the stories, themes, etc. cetera. Uh, one thing that I, I agree. I mean, I think the number one story leaving this episode for me, if I had to guess in terms of what this story might be about strategically is Mike has a line where he's talking about, you know, physical game, social game strategy, etc. Uh, but then he gets more to the point of, you don't have to be the best at everything. It's at anything. 
It's about being the most well-rounded person. The most well-rounded person will win this season. To me, that sounded like a mission statement. What say you, Joe? Yeah, I think that definitely stuck out as a line during that sort of intro part. Um, And then it gets a lot of reinforcement. Um, I think Jeff himself talks about, oh, there are a variety of qualities that make a winner. And then you even have Zach, um, when he gets asked the question, like his answer isn't substantive. And like it almost adds to this fact that there is no very important thing. It's like all these important things um, are definitely contributing to who will win the season. And I think, I don't know, I feel like we can see characters who are developing as though they are really good in one part. And um, I mean, you have Zach, who's the puzzle strength of. I- Ika, and then he gets voted out. Um, I think I'd be curious to see if some other characters like Jonathan maybe on Taku, who's this obvious physical juggernaut, like if he gets voted out early on, or if he gets voted out because he is such a physical threat. Right, and even on that note, Jonathan says I'm the provider. That's why I'm here. I'll leave the puzzles to them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound very well-rounded, right? Uh, And But I guess maybe there's a chance that, you know, knowing what you're good at is arguably well-rounded, but still, I think I think we're probably going to see somebody who is able to excel in these different ways, and that's maybe specifically mentioned. Like, I think we do see a few folks in this in this episode kind of excel in a lot of ways that you may you might not necessarily expect right away. Uh, for example, like I think Omar is somebody who really kind of crushed it. Right, he was great at the puzzle. He was great all around. Swati mm-hmm. was talking all about being really good at puzzles. Uh, she's in the, uh, what, National Guard? Yeah, I mean, her her sort of life story, like, introducing herself is all about how she's gotten to Harvard and um, is in the National Guard. Which, <laughs> if you had heard us in our preseason stuff, we were really coming down hard on Swati for this. But it seems like this might be a strength in this season. Especially hey. if it's really treated... <laughs> as as a plus so i do want to say that uh and i'll say this later as well <laughs> you were very harsh on swatty i was very high on swatty i had you convinced by the end you did but... yeah <laughs> no proof but i love no her. proof um, of anything of anything yeah uh but yeah i mean i think that this is something that really i think will continue to take shape and in the future episodes i think what we'll see is what well-rounded is get defined more Um, right now we have sort of the generic, you know, out, wait, out, play out last survivor, social, uh, or strategy, social, physical. I I think that'll take on a more specific definition as we go on. Uh, that happened last season, right? We, we had some of these themes have sort of broad definitions that became extremely specific as the season went on. I think that will remain to be true with this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on that one specifically? I do not believe so. Perfect. Uh, another one we've sort of highlighted here is uh, I noticed this idea of, like, if it seems easy, it's not easy with these triangles. Uh, And I think that will, you know, again, continue to be not true, or or continue to be true. Uh, Survivor is loving this. You know, there's been 40 seasons um, of the show, but just because you know, Zach, 40 seasons, it's a whole new era, and your 40 seasons isn't enough. Uh, And if it seems easy because you know all this, that's not enough. It's actually going to be really hard. So I think that'll also take shape. Thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think... We saw this last season, too, where there is just this sort of general focus on 
Survivor being difficult and really emphasizing that there is, um, it's not easy. <laughs> I think the quote from last season was like, if like anything that is isn't worth it or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there is this definite focus on showing that this is a hard, a hard task to do. It's a, it's a tribulation, a trial. Yep. And yeah, I sort of brought into that with like, there's a focus on everyone challenging themselves, challenging what is possible for them to do and pushing to their limits. So I think focusing on the people who focus on that is probably a wise choice for this season. As far from the premiere, there's a lot of room to change that, but it's it's coming up a lot. Agreed. And I sh- maybe I should have brought this up in uh, general thoughts, but the next one I think that's important to highlight is the monster, which... Joe, I have a theory here. Did they think they were marketing this season last season? Because <laughs> all the ads, if you remember for last season, were all about the monster and you got to run from the monster. And then it never made its way into the show at any point, right? Like it was a complete empty theme that did not matter. It was never actually on the show. Did they misremember which season had that? <laughs> They're just as more recent in their memory. So they were like, oh, this season is dark. But- yeah, like. Like someone sent the wrong video or something like I have no other way to explain how you end up with a different multi-million dollar production with it never being mentioned and then the next one which doesn't have that in its marketing materials like we're not seeing the monster come back even in these things right that was a 41 thing but mm-hmm. it's it's in 42 like it must have been a screw up there's no other explanation yeah I'm curious what it means here because there is a definite focus like with a musical sting on Jeff talking about how Survivor is like the monster in the horror movie and I think that's bringing a like very dark tone to what has otherwise started off somewhat positive I think yes it's it's a very fun season so far um but yeah I think there is room for this I mean you get in the preview um like here's Marianne and so maybe there is just this allusion to like horror movies and like fear or like daring like throughout if it's not just something explicit or like someone becomes that monster to get out yeah and yeah maybe you're like maybe they do just like yeah like the here's marianne thing is very uh the shining right (laughs) like uh yeah and and maybe there's just more horror out like allegories and, and metaphors but uh it was super weird and i could not get over the fact that it's clearly for the wrong season like we like even just those two moments have like the next time on and jeff's opening monologue have more to do with that theme than the season they marketed it for and it's like to me means it matters a lot because someone dropped the ball and, and released that stuff early um yeah i think it's very clear to look back at last season and be like there are no monsters here <laughs> like no yeah. one no important characters there are monsters or at least in the fact that if they have some monstrous qualities here and there, they get discussed and sort of rationalized. Like if yep. you're looking at Shan being overbearing or Deshaun, um, you explore those characters and show why it's they have reasons to be the way they are. Yeah, totally. I uh, and like even on that note, I mean, they have this whole idea in this one of like you have to slay or be slayed. They actually like define what they mean by it and everything. Like I don't know. I th- I think it's gonna be the the story of the season. 
And part of my understanding last season when I was trying to guess what it could be was like, if you watch Scream or whatever, spoiler alert, like part of it's a swerve, right? Like part of it is, you know, you think this person's the killer, but it's actually, you think the gardener who (laughs) carries around a knife with blood on it is the murderer, but it's actually the school teacher or whatever, you know, like there's always kind of this unexpected element and maybe that's part of it too. Maybe a lot of it is, you know, we have Tori saying my strategy is defining to other people what I am. I can kind of make it up. I'm not, I'm a therapist. They think I'm a home caregiver or something like that. Uh, and, and I think we see that kind of stuff, like a little bit of manipulation of like what people perceive you as when you're actually something else. Maybe you actually are the killer. Mm-hmm. I think it also is sort of a way to talk about what the common strategy and meta of Survivor is now, where we saw it in Edge of Extinction, where it's you can pinpoint the threat, you're the one who spearheads getting them out, but then now you're that threat that needs to be taken care of. And we saw that chain from like, I don't know, like Joe to like Ron in that season of like people (laughs) needing to be um, taken out. And so I think that could be sort of what's going on here. We'll get a season where there's lots of a big target rises up, they get taken out by the next big target. Agreed, agreed. And I mean, that might be conducive to an Erica style winner. I think that's something that's kind of interesting about this season is, as far as I understand, it was filmed immediately back-to-back in a way uh, that, like, I I saw a tweet from Ricard and said, he said that uh, Jackson would have left the game within, like, like a couple days of when Ricard left the game. Hmm. That's wild. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, conceptually. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see, like, kind of what ramifications that sort of thing has. Uh, But our next theme here, and this was all over it, to be honest, was this, like, this almost felt like a pseudo-Gen Z versus Millennials season. You know, like, like, pseudo, because we had multiple references of Gen Z, of being younger, of either uh, embracing Gen Z stereotypes or defying them, right? Like, Swati is all about defying uh, the stereotypes about her age, and then you have Lydia be proud, right, of being a Gen Z and, and having all these problems, and they have this really slick, cool... Uh, editing montage of Lydia complaining and not being mm-hmm. able to, you know, crack it out there kind of thing. I thought that was I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I think I feel like through every season we've done, we found one if not more of like these demographic themes that pop up in some way. And I think what's weird about them is they're easy to find, but they don't often end up being the actual like, mm-hmm. narrative thrust of the season. So like a lot of seasons we found like, oh, like how women versus men like in survivor and that's really just gone to showcase women only for a male winner to happen um so yeah it's the one i found here is definitely generational divides you get um those two talking about it roxroy talking about how his kids are nothing like the kids out here on his tribe um that tribe splits by age you see a little bit of that in vadi as well um jenny and mike go together and hi and lydia are together um so yeah it's definitely the the biggest demographic story i think of this season right now and i think for the educators out there like us this is the one that at this point after, you know, what, five, six seasons of us doing this. I think I'm with you. I think I'm ready to say that these demographic ones are, they're a theme. They're not relevant necessarily at all to the winner. Um, 
they might be, but they they also might not be, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And just because they're trying to showcase women finding idols, that doesn't necessarily parlay into a woman winner. And if anything, we've seen it's probably the opposite, right? If, you know, in a season where Nick wins, uh, we got a whole lot of focus on how many women were finding idols in David versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. Almost, and maybe as a way to almost offset that, right? Uh, if anything, right? So I don't take much from this. I think it's something that we can continue to pay attention to. But honestly, Joe, if anything, it makes me think that a older person is going to win the season. I think, I don't know, because it hasn't explicitly said it's negative yet. True. I think seeing sort of how Lydia was treated and how Roxroy was treated sort of it makes me question where they're going if they're going to put a positive slant on this story who would it but even just be like because i think sometimes we do see it kind of in the way of it just is something that mattered a lot <laughs> you know like yeah we did see a try breakdown from age you know, uh, and if that's the case, you kind of have to talk about that and what it means, right? If, if you're telling a good story, that's just kind of the um, the wear of a, of a story, right? Like, you know, there's older people, there's younger people. Inherently, that makes them bond in different ways. Well, and I think in the social experiment that is Survivor, always putting some theme forward of this sort is something an audience can easily relate to. Like, oh, I work with old and young people. I, like, understand gender politics. Like, these are are things people can understand in their real life and then really link to in this show and see how it's affecting things out here. Um, even if they're not big on, like, strategy or um, the mechanics of the game. Absolutely agree there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the last one we have kind of pegged here, it your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. I believe that's an Omar quote. Mm -hmm. And to me, it summed up a lot of what this episode was trying to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's a ton of, like, with that quote, talking about what it means to the people around you. When Jackson leaves, you, of course, get this um, contentious, I would say, in the when I've seen it discussed reaction from Marianne, but I mean, Jackson himself talks about how much these people meant to him, even though it was only 48 hours. Um, there's some of that on Ika too, where, uh, Roxroy sort of leads the shelter, but it's not like everyone is happy about it. Um, different ways in which you're working with the people around you and how well you can do that is based on how you work with those people. Yeah, I totally agree there. And I think we do sometimes see these explicitly survival themes uh, sort of manifest and or, or morph, mutate into social strategy themes. Uh, we saw that last season in a big way. I think this is one that's very likely to have that happen. I think this is going to be a team-based season. The story's going to be about a group of people coming together, their relationship to each other, maybe more than a personal journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think... This is definitely wanting to be a season about the bonds you make with people rather than one person sort of specific trip to the end, regardless of the people around them. And in a way that sums up with the most well-rounded person will win as well. Yes, right? Like for sure. it's all of these themes are kind of compounding together to me of Joe, if any season is going to be a pigonging, I think it might be this one or something <laughs> like that. Like if I have to do like a 
hot take what's this look like based just on the themes i I think it is like a group like i think it could be maybe it's an i24 situation maybe it's a pagonging but it's it's hyping up a group um and the person who's able to be the the metal person in a group is gonna win um i think it's gonna be interesting interesting to track uh but i i really do think that this is gonna be like for example uh 41 is about how erica specific specifically was able to go from you know a lamb to a lion go from not a threat to to a threat and, and clinch the win in the end game i don't and that's a personal journey from from point a to point point b i don't think that's what we're going to see this season yeah i i could definitely see it being more of one tight group that has maybe some di- very different personalities on it, but sort of that central figure is the one who makes it to the end and wins. And like, I'm thinking about it and like Palau is a season where that's sort of the case, right? Tom is presented, he has his own personal journey in a way, but generally it is more about that group, right? It is, uh, you know, Ian, Tom, etc. all sort of grouping together. And he's sort of just the one in the middle sort of dictating things, right? And I, I, I think yeah. maybe that could be what we see not maybe not the level of domination we saw up there yeah but. yeah sort of i think we see that like palau is a good one panama where it's like all these bigger personalities and then one person in the center that is more grounded more middle of the road in general yeah who takes on the win i agree and i don't think i'm early enough to, like last season pretty early i was like you know what i think we're gonna get a quote-unquote bad winner i think you know well it still remains to be seen i think this because the most well-rounded player could be Kim Spradlin. You know what I mean? Like, or I, I don't necessarily know what that looks like yet. If the person winning this story would be Kim Spradlin or whether it would be Aris, you know, and it's, yeah. it's hard to know which way. Cause both would be well-rounded, right. In terms of, of that. So mm-hmm. we'll see, but I, I do think that these two specifically are tracking the winner and we'll see, we'll see what they look like. We'll see what more de- uh, definitions we get for these two ideas. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's jump here into the castaways and I think what we'll do is, like, also include maybe just a small amount of, like, what we expected versus what we got uh, because we didn't get to do the cast assessment. But yeah, um, we'll start here with the Vati tribe, which I really liked. I thought they were a ton of fun, honestly. Yeah. And I think following this premiere, they're the tribe I really feel the most confident about as a whole. Like, I think I could see any of these six still really winning it. Like, I think my lowest one might surprise a lot of people. But otherwise, yeah, I think they all have a chance. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, gun to my head, if I had to pick a complex tribe off of episode one, which again, giant warning, don't do this until the tribe ends for everybody. Like you do yeah. not know who the complex tribe is until that tribe doesn't exist anymore. Um, giant asterisk, red flag, you know, r- rotating red light emoji. Um, <laughs> if there, if if I were to pick one now, it would be this tribe. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. And I came out of last season being like, complex tribe is not happening. It's not a thing. And then after the, watching this premiere twice, I want to be like, but if there is one and it's following co- more conventional things, it's probably Vati. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We, we always do a complex tribe theory focused episode mm-hmm. uh, and we'll, we'll get there for sure. I'm yeah, we'll, we'll get there. So we'll start here with Chanel. Uh, this is somebody I was very hype on preseason. Uh, they were one of the people I was considering as a winner contender, uh, but uh, didn't quite 
quite go there um, necessarily. But I thought that she was, I mean, is she the most quiet on the season so far? Mm, I think someone just beats her out. But... Right, still bottom two anyway. Yeah. And I mean, that said, the content she got was really good. And yeah. so for me, I had kind of a hard time even placing her because what she did get, she got like one kind of standard boring, we are counting triangles confessional to introduce it. Uh, but then she got a really interesting confessional talking about the dynamics of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that kind of summed it up as like, if probably the complex tribe, if there is one, uh, if, if you could make that choice now. And she popped a little bit. Uh, I mean, as a character, she didn't give me much yet. I thought she would maybe be a little bit more of a narrator. I actually thought she was a, a lock to be one of the more prominent characters, to be honest. And mm-hmm. the fact that she's not, to me, does not bode well for her. But I did like like what we got and i think there's probably room to grow there i do by no means think she's eliminated or anything like that yeah i i have put them all from 1 to 16 as i do and i have her seventh i think yeah this like I think both quiet characters are sort of like coming off last season. I don't know what to trust. So it's just like, yeah, they had a quiet episode, but they also didn't go to tribal council. So I could totally see this take off. So yeah, I'm not, I think you're right in that Chanel is sort of the key to unlocking this. If it is the complex tribe. So if that does pan out to be the case, like she's the one who got this content. I don't, I'm not expecting her to sort of fade away from that sort of middle spot. I think she'll continue to be important. And what I was wondering for me, like, I feel like what we said earlier, I think if you asked a random person who watched the episode to maybe if they couldn't even name everybody that could, if you show them a picture, they could probably say, Oh, he's the guy who dislocated his arm or whatever. Mm -hmm. Chanel might be actually be the one uh, counter example of that. I I think there's a chance that people, might not remember anything about Chanel. Yeah, yeah. So that that makes it a little difficult because, again, like, she gets on paper really good content. I actually haven't had the time necessarily to read everybody's, uh, the entire community's read on this season yet. I wouldn't be surprised if people are kind of shilling for her. Yeah, I have specifically avoided it. I think I'm so enthusiastic for this season that I really wanted to go into the premiere, and I don't know how much of the more of the season, but, like, not attention to what others have to say love it (laughs) um but yeah i definitely have not seen anything i think i am very curious to see where those lie but i wouldn't be surprised if people weren't were like on the chanel train at this point but yeah i I mean i think you see this a lot right is the quiet person getting one really strategically complex confessional Mm -hmm. just sort of randomly the tricky thing about this premiere is that it makes for a very full depot where there are a lot of trains you could hop on right now yeah be wrong no i agree and i think that's kind of fun like i think there really are a lot of really viable people you could pick like yeah we'll we'll get there but i think if you your top five is filled with maybe 11 of these people i'd be like yeah that totally makes sense i'd love to hear why five of them i may be like "Mm, there's probably (laughs) better picks even if they do win you know like um yeah we'll we'll get there throughout but yeah um as far as chanel like the biggest red flag for me one is that her content's pretty late and then two uh mike doesn't talk about her Hmm. right like we get chanel saying you know hi and lydia are tight mike and jenny are tight me and mike must be tight and then it's a confessional about how mike's 
navigating the social game. That oh, to me is not a good sign for for Chanel. Her and Daniel, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Her and Daniel. I um yeah. yeah I I guess I kind of agree. So that'll make it interesting when we go to Daniel next. But yeah, I think it's interesting that she says this. And then there's not really development on Daniel's part. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, the, the, the way it's presented is Chanel has a clear, re- like if anything, you leave this knowing Chanel's a good player. She mm-hmm. knows where the lines are. And we see in other scenes that read pretty backed up, you know, like Chanel gets it and, and sums it up. But we also see Mike and Jenny have a bond elsewhere. We do see Lydia and Hi have a bond elsewhere. She's right. But then yeah. Daniel's confessional is all about himself. Mm-hmm. And that to me is very a bad sign for Chanel. <laughs> good sign for good sign for Daniel. We'll get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's jump over to Daniel then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as preseason, I think we were both pretty high on her. Uh, on Chanel, we we both thought she was going to make the merch. Uh, I think I'm sticking with that. I think she's probably making the merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to Daniel, who shares my name. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I finally came off like, to me, I like the super fans. I don't like when super fans are too nerdy about it. Like, when he pulled his arm, his shoulder out, and then was like, it's just like Stephanie LaGrosa. I got goosebumps all over my body. Uh, I was like, oh my god, I hope I don't sound like that ever. Um, But otherwise, I thought he was actually kind of a captivating, interesting character. What do you think? Yeah, I really like Daniel much more than I thought I would. I think I tend to be like, uh, a super fan. Uh, and like on this season, I was right with one of them. Um, but Daniel is a much more uh, captivating one. I think he had a really strong premiere, but the issue with that is there was a lot going his way to make it a very strong premiere. I mean, getting your shoulder dislocated and sort of powering through it really boosts it. And then he got one of the new editing tricks, the first of six slash seven on this premiere of the like flashback like uh like intro package like who are you and that of course is very positive too yeah and i mean last season we did see more or less the order of people who got the opening package leave in order except ricard yeah (laughs) um my hope is that they're not so transparent to do that same thing again and we're going to lose, like, Daniel, Mike, Marianne, Roxroy, and Swathi all in Swift. Um, right, like, do but... they, like, that's, the, that's like, <laughs> such a thing to focus on, right? Is It's, like, this giant elephant in the room that that happened last season. Ricard wasn't that, right? Like, he kind of disproves the rule, but in a way, like, is it going to be five pre-mergers in a, in the fifth blazer? Or, or is that just basically a random sample that happened? I don't know. Well, I feel my, like, base guideline for this is, like, I want to believe that it's someone who didn't get a premiere intro package is going to win. Like, my number one yeah. contender didn't get one. And so I'm thinking, they're going to save that for... It's hard a big because... moment. I, yeah, well, it, that's what makes it so tricky is that Erica had this so blatant moment to put that mm-hmm. in. And I can't imagine everyone, every winner is going to get that, so... But, I mean, to the to the flip side there, not to talk too much about 41, but, I mean, Shan also got hers later in a meaningful moment. Yeah. And I, I think if you were to, like, convince yourself really hard that Shan won the season, in i think it probably happens that way as well yeah that's true i think you know looking at all these people it does feel like it it has the potential to be their most powerful 
like climactic moment so i guess in a way that's bad yep. for daniel but i don't know i think it was still a really strong premiere um yep. like we said chanel sort of outlined where he was in the tribe and then he got to sort of talk about how he was in a good spot which i think is good for him and it was backed up right like his content this episode was really really good Mm-hmm. The best comparison I can think of since we've been recording the show, like what worries me is that it could be a Jessica Pete, I believe is her name in David versus Goliath, um, who gets this amazing heartfelt premiere and then, and then leave shortly after. Mm-hmm. That said, if it's not that, it's really, really good. We see it backed up completely. Daniel talks about, oh, I was so worried. Oh my God, I pulled my, or dislocated my shoulder and I, you know, how many people screw up the first challenge and are the first boot? And we see another super fan completely screw up the challenge and be the first boot. But Daniel is presented as not that, right? He is the counter example of that. We see Mike say like, oh, I didn't even realize your shoulder. Like, no one could even say your shoulder was broken. Like, wow, wild. Like, you're so good. Like, we see everybody be just enthralled by him. And in a way, maybe he's our Christian and... And not like maybe we shouldn't be signing the warning bells. If anybody's intro package should play here, it's probably him who has shoulder dislocated in the first challenge and have yeah. to like if he wins, you have to give him some credibility because he looks like a total geek out there pulling his arm out in the first challenge that wasn't even that physical. You know, like it wasn't like the mud wrestling challenge. It was he climbed a net and dislocated his shoulder. He looked like a dweeb. And I think he, if he does win the season, you do have to like not lose middle America on him as a viable winner. Yeah, I guess that's right. I feel, yeah, there was a lot here that at least wherever his story is going really lends to doing it in this first episode because maybe Mike asks about the scar and it's all in this first episode and that's the only real good time where they talk about it so like yeah maybe this is just the perfect time and regardless of that he can still win or he can get uh 16th he can get sixth yeah Um, the the issue for me with daniel is he does not have plot armor he's a little bit but not like, I do, would not feel confident saying he's making the merge or anything yeah. like that. I mean, one of the things is there's this ominous, like, the doctor saying, oh, you should yeah. be able to compete, but it might act up again. And then you see him holding it later on and, like, treating yes. it really gingerly. Like, it feels like he could still, like, go next episode. And I agree with you. Yeah, He just had a misfortunate, like shoulder dislocation ruin his game and i mean on the flip side though like imagine the end him saying you know i dislocated my shoulder episode one or round one and i had to worry about that in every single challenge i competed in like i had these challenges that nobody else had uh you know i had to survive Mm. change in a way that nobody else did because I could not compete in challenges at full force. I had to restrain myself. That could be kind of a captivating story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like that's that's the issue. Is like he could literally get medevaced anytime. And so I don't know. I think he has a lot of win equity, but he also has a lot of next boot equity, and that's a difficult thing to place. Uh, I have him in my top half. Oh, okay. Where uh, where, where do you have him? I have him fourth. <laughs> fourth. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So very top half. Mm-hmm. No, I I love to love to hear that um i really thought about putting him higher and this is one where honestly i did have a lot of time 
I did have a hard time uh, giving my contender list. I think he's a very good pick. Like, if he was somebody's number one, I'd be like, I totally get it. That scene was fucking awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think looking at least definitely at my top five and maybe a bit further down, I I see the cases. Like we said with Chanel, there's lots of there's lots of good wagons to hitch up to and go forth in this premiere. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and you could totally see the story for him winning too, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it's not hard to draw that in your mind, I don't think. No. So, I think that's a good pick. Honestly, for me, it's the intro package curse of last season. And <laughs> the, the fact that he could get medevaced at any point made yeah, me nervous. For sure. Um, and I mean, honestly, maybe even the fact that Erica did open up the door for more under the radar storytelling. Yeah. More and even subversive. just. And honestly, I, I think to me, the biggest takeaway from last season is that second person visibility matters a whole lot. When people, when Erica doesn't speak in an episode, but everybody says she's a threat, we're meant to take that literally. And we haven't had that really this one, but we did have people talk about liking Daniel a lot. Yeah. That does matter um, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That brings us to High, who uh, I think ended up as my winner pick um, last, yeah, last week in the mystery episode was my winner mm-hmm. pick. And I think he might be my favorite. No, I, I thought he would not be my favorite, but he made me laugh a lot. And also, and like the thing with me, and I, I'm sure long-term listeners now know this, I love somebody who can make me laugh and then can also turn it on and be really smart. He gave me both of those this this week. So I uh, absolutely love what he's bringing. And I think he could totally win. I think he's he's in that weird spot where a lot of his content's focused on a, you know, something that had to be shown. But it was good content nonetheless. So for me, I do have him fairly high. Uh, but what do you, what say you, Joe? I, I think I was convinced from last episode to think he was more of a winner contender. But this up this premiere sort of has me questioning that i think when he did have content it was really good it is just that that content was related to almost exclusively twists and Mm -hmm. like advantages and like i feel like if you think about the latter part of this episode and i i know there's a lot in that latter part that makes it so he can't have content like it's a lot of taku focus or the immunity like ika but he just doesn't feel like he stood out to me in the same way, Green. especially other people on Vadi did. Like, you have Chanel with, like, her strategic, like, sort of expose of the tribe. Daniel talks about people like him. Um, Jenny and Mike have their strategic bits. Hai just doesn't have that. He talks a little about his advantage, and that's about it. So I'm not very high on high right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally a good read. And it really, de- for for people like high, for characters like high, it really depends. If they really came into this, hey, we're going to make this even, and you find an advantage, you might be stuck with two confessionals about finding an advantage. Uh, and I don't know if we know how that manifests, right? I think all the people who found that, you could make the same criticism of. Is mm-hmm. that a death sentence for high Lindsay and Treya or not. I don't know. I think I'm leaning on the side that it's not. Uh, and his content was good enough with Lydia, I think specifically, to rise him above that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not amazing, but I think it's it's good enough. Uh, it's, from what I have read, I think people are very high on him generally uh, in the community. And I totally see where that comes from. Again, I think we've also seen the community get really high on people like Sierra Don Thomas and, and stuff like that who find something. Because they inherently will get captivating content. Mm-hmm. Um, or Xander even, right? Like uh, for last season's comparison. So I, I think it remains to be seen. I think the difference is he did get a pretty good definition of why that three would make sense with no blowback or contradiction or anything. That 
plus the Lydia stuff is enough for me to kind of squeak him into the top half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's not dead by any means. I think I just need to see more like legitimate agency from him within the tribe. I think that is something you can look back at Xander and sort of say, oh, he didn't like do things. Yeah. And he, didn't. he found <laughs> things and he didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I have him at ninth. So it's like not the worst. Hey, that's top half, or I guess it depends how <laughs> I guess it depends how you define top half. I would say not because there are two people who are definitely not winning. Um who are out of the oh, game. Oh yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. yeah so we're sixteen, just on the edge. Uh yeah. And I mean I guess that brings us to Jenny, right? Um yes. I think she might be my favorite. She didn't have a whole lot in this week, but she really surprised me. I thought she would be fun preseason. I think I was fairly high on her. I think I was a lot higher on her than you were. Um, But I, like, so preseason, she talked a lot about how her partner in life uh, was her hero. And the reason for that is that he pursued the arts. And even though it was hard and he traveled all across the world, or I think he's from Australia or something like that. Uh, and he always pursues uh, the, high, you know, his passions beyond everything. And I was like, you know what? There's something special about this Jenny girl. And I think I was right. I think she was so magnetic on screen. She didn't get a whole lot, but when she was there, it was really, really good. You know that she's smart. You leave this episode remembering her, some concept of her game strategy, but without maybe the threat or or obviousness or anything like that. Uh, Jenny has a story to tell. I think we're going to see it throughout the season, and there's more to build on. And there's a pretty rock solid foundation for it we know she's a designer uh we know that she's good at puzzles we know that she's frustrated that her tribe isn't i i i loved everything she brought this week so you have jenny high i have jenny high okay i do not (laughs) i okay i think first off i'm a little thrown by what a fan favorite she is i feel like all survivor super fans saw her and the triangle puzzle and immediately like resonated with the fact that she was able to count more triangles than these other people and like really glommed onto that i mean i like jenny well enough but i know she wasn't a star for me on this episode and then i think that contributes into why i don't have her so high I feel like she doesn't stick out. And the way she does stick out where she is this like knowledgeable puzzle person. Um, Thinking about how it goes with our themes, that is sort of a way she sticks out instead of just being a well-rounded person. And so I'm worried about that. I do have, I don't know, maybe it's a ill-founded point. But for the summit twist, this premiere, we have... Um, Drea, Jenny, and Marianne going, and none of them get like content posts to sort yeah. of rationalize what they did. And I mean, maybe they just didn't make time for that in the episode, but it it feels like it wasn't an important thing show for each of the three of them. So, I mean, I have all three of them lower because of that. But yeah, that all sort of just drags Jenny down. She's uh, a 12th, but I'm like right on the edge of like, eh, I'm having a harder time seeing these people winning. Right. I I, I don't think it's a, a bad read by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, the, the summit was like, maybe the, like we've seen the summit now this season and like things like it in other recent seasons, right? So last season we have a one-to-one and we have similar, you know, Ghost Island or or, or what have you as, as relevant par- like uh, parallels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was one of the, like I, what, even on the second watch, like I was like, I'm going to p- make sure I pay more attention 
to this summit. And it was, this was a bad scene. It was, it did not click. It did not work at all. In my opinion, it was, it just didn't, something about this scene with the summit just didn't work. And like, honestly, as far as twists, I think we were pretty positive on the summit last season overall mm. like um and this one just didn't work maybe it's that we already saw it a bunch of times last season i don't know it, to me it was almost hard to pay attention to it was just there's no I, to me it did not seem like jenny marianne uh had chemistry you know like it just the scene didn't work for me that well, and that made it hard for me to evaluate in terms of what we were looking for Erica. It was, it was just a thing. Yeah, I, I feel like there's this very awkward editing where, like, Jenny is rationalizing her decision to protect her vote, and then it just goes straight to commercial break. And yeah. it just feels so incorrect. <laughs> yeah, like, whoever was, like... I think this episode was actually really well edited structurally, technically. Mm-hmm. Not this scene. This scene was like a slog to get through, I thought. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess, honestly, Joe, you're kind of convincing me. I think I just like Jenny a lot. Um. I want her to be number one. <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> I, I was really wrestling. I had her in top five at the start. And I removed her, and I added her, and I removed her. I couldn't figure out where to place Jenny specifically. Um, to me, she's one of those people. I think sort of similar to Erica last season's premiere, where it's like she gets good content, not great content. And so, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have a concrete answer there. Uh, I'd like to see her win, and she has the foundation. To me, there's some people uh, that I'm like. I would, I guess, to, to what we're talking about already. I would, I would believe a Jenny win right now more than a Chanel win, and and that matters to me to some degree. Hmm. Any other thoughts on Jenny? I don't think so. I could see her being the Ricard this season, Agreed. where a yeah. lot of people are just constantly championing her, and I'm gonna be skeptical. Laying the smackdown on that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I could totally see that to be honest, and like she was, and I I do think the internet always falls for these like CP light like mm-hmm. women players. Like it's, you're right, I think she's probably like an internet trap in that way. Uh, but I don't know, she was fun. She made me laugh. Like she was a funny confessionalist. So yeah, yeah, queen. That brings us to somebody else who made me laugh a lot, who I don't <laughs> think has a lot of chance to win. And that's Lydia. Uh. I thought she was super fun on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she wasn't in it that much. But, like, you can tell how good of a character she is just from these brief interactions. I like that she's aligned with High. That, to me, raises both of them a little bit. But, and I do actually really like that she got that, like, weird edited confessional. Probably hurts her winner equity a little bit. Christian didn't win. And even him had this huge amount of support behind him from the edit. I don't think Liddy's going to hit that threshold. And so that those sort of lingering threads aren't great. That probably means that somebody on the editing team really liked her and wanted to give her kind of like a highlighting character moment. But yeah, what do you think, Joe? I I also really liked Lydia. I think you're right in that she honestly didn't have a ton of content, but going back to your sort of test that giving someone like all the people and like having them oh yeah they'll remember them. her yeah you'll remember lydia um and i don't know i'm very high on her chances i think <laughs> <laughs> premiere wise maybe i'm just all over the place but yeah i have her third i think this was a really solid premiere for who lydia is i think by being paired with high she sort of takes all the benefits of high that we sort of saw preseason and 
because she feels like the power player in that duo to me at this point. I think she's the one who's boosted more than high. Um, And yeah, I think going back to the generational stuff where she wasn't outright like sort of parodied or made fun of for being Gen Z, I think that bodes really well for her. So True. And I mean, a good comparison there would be Adam Klein. His premiere and um millennials for gen x is not that hot like it's not like he has these huge emotional moments it's just like him saying he's gonna defy millennial stereotypes that's what he says it's a big thing he kind of sets up a rivalry there's some basic stuff in there it's a mm-hmm. pretty middle road edit that's yeah, lydia there's sort of like she starts talking about like oh i don't know what i'm doing in that first confessional that's montage together and then her next one is like we've got stuff going on we're we're figuring it out and i think that bodes okay for her honestly yeah, yeah and i think the thing is like in a modern survivor world with a lot of things i think the most important thing is do do the editors care to tell a cogent story with them even if <laughs> they fall out even if they vanish, even if they aren't in every episode, does it make sense beginning to end if you were to explain it to somebody? I think that's like really the big markers. And Lydia does pass that test, right? Erica was that. We did see she wants to be a lamb to a lion. She vanishes for a little bit. She's a threat. She wants to make a move. It backfires. She's going to be voted out. If, if they don't throw the challenge, they try to throw the challenge, it fails, and then the history turns, and then she's a power power player from then on. Yeah. Um, Lydia could totally pass that exact same test, uh, because, yeah, you're right, it's, oh my god, I can't do this, do I do this? She leaves this episode with a mini-arc, right? It's, it's not prominent, it might not be the top ten things you remember, but next week you won't think of her as the person who couldn't remember, who, who was really worried about sand clicking on her body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 I like that. Um... I'm not that high on her, but I I support the mission nonetheless. And (laughs) she's on a good tribe too. Like that, that does matter, right? Like she's on for a character like this to win. She's on the right tribe. So yeah, if we're thinking about that well-rounded sort of idea of a, of a group, I think she, honestly, a lot of people could present themselves as the well-rounded person on this tribe. Um, I think that's one of the reasons Jenny, Jenny sticks out is that she doesn't. Um, But yeah, Lydia is definitely someone who can be sort of ensconced in this. (laughs) To briefly disagree there, like for Jenny, she, I mean, obviously she positions herself as the puzzle person, but she also said she doesn't want to be that. Like she doesn't necessarily view herself as the puzzle person. You know, she just is more thrust into that position. Right. Uh, And I I think we see that. But uh, that said, I I do, I'm going to agree with you also. In Chanel's confessional, (laughs) it's presented as presented as three tree or three duos um on this tribe but none of them it's not me and mike are gonna or sorry me and daniel are gonna why do i keep thinking daniel just looks like a mike um <laughs> and i'm gonna have this issue but it's not me and daniel are gonna take out jenny and mike or anything there's no there's no drama on this tribe at all yeah right? I think it's both times i watched it chanel outlines these pairs and then like okay but which two are getting together to vote the other one out and then yeah. it doesn't come it's so like, neutral <laughs> it's just there's three it's literally just there's three pairs and then she says i'll loop you into whatever happened <laughs> yeah so I, I think there's a chance maybe this tribe just doesn't doesn't lose maybe i don't know yeah. there's something weird going on with this tribe anyway <laughs> they literally present it with absolutely zero drama or intrigue <laughs> right like there's yeah. no there's no outcast there's no person in danger there's no anything it's just six cool people who like each other yeah yeah i, I don't even know what to make of that necessarily Maybe that does rule them out for me in the comic book tribe. I don't think it does, but it, it makes 
makes me think they might be the Pagongang tribe, but <laughs> brings us to Mike. And Joe, as of right now, before we talk about things, and sometimes talking about things makes me change my mind. Mike's my number one winner, potentially. Ah, okay. I think he had I, I, the, the typical winner at it, in a way, right? Like, And I don't know if that's something I should even necessarily be holding in a high regard, but this was an amazing episode. He gets a good opening confessional he gets a good uh opening montage if any of these are gonna be the winners one i feel like it's mike's um but i mean anyone's could be i guess uh and wow well, uh jackson's actually fits that as well so um we do have the, the someone leaving this episode having one but um yeah like for mike i just think he he gets a lot of focus he's the one who does say that most well-rounded thing um most rounded players gonna win the season I feel like he's getting content in times where maybe he's not even the most um, captivating narrator to say that point. Like, he doesn't have, like, this amazing point necessarily. But he's a captivating person, and so they're going to him. Uh, it reminds me a lot. Uh, and I think they had to get out there for this character because Mike looks like a gruff dude. But he, as a player, he's not. He's a social mm. butterfly. And they have to get that out there because he does look gruff, right? He does look, if you are a casual viewer, you will view him as the hardworking, honestly, like how Roxroy came off, right? Mm. But he's not that. And we don't get any indication of any sort of negative traits at all about Mike. And I think that the story does have to do a little bit more heavy lifting. And you might not know he's the, the first Puerto Rican fire chief or whatever, right? Like he's actually got kind of like a... A, a inspiring life in a way that you might not necessarily expect. And I think we've seen, to me, and I hate to say it because his name's also Mike, Mike Holloway has a very similar first episode in terms of, you know, story and having to clear up, hey, he's actually a good guy despite his gruff appearance, you know? Yeah, I was, I don't know. That's one of those things where I'm like, okay, is it because there's a Mike on a 18-person three tribes of six season but i definitely just got vibes that this whole premiere was very worlds apart yeah it was a very fun start <laughs> for sure i love that premiere i know worlds apart went other ways but but yeah i i felt the same where like mike had this very strong character premiere and i think you're right they are doing a lot of work to make sure you know mike is not just the jonathan of this tribe essentially yeah um he has more social i think they did a lot of work with that confessional about choosing savvy versus sweat like mm -hmm. oh that shows that Mike is more than just, like, muscle. Like, right! And it kind of goes with the your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. He's like, look at who's here. Who's gonna do it? It's me. I would rather work as a group. Like, if anyone's being the Pagonger guy, it's Mike, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I also have Mike pretty high. I have him fifth. I think... Why he's lower than Lydia and Daniel from this tribe is he does have, I feel, more of that potential to still stick out, I think, and sort of not have this very balanced edit that I'm thinking this season is going to end up. But I think hearing you talk about it makes me think that's less likely and therefore right. sort of boosts Mike for me. Yeah, and I mean, on that note, I mean, right now we're seeing a pretty balanced story, and I think we're going to bring this up a lot throughout this season, this episode, everything like that. What if it's not? <laughs> you know, like, I, I, there's a lot of seasons where the premiere in the early game is pretty balanced, and then it's the winner gets 100 confessionals, you know? Yeah. If that's the season, Mike's the winner. You know, like, I don't think anybody, and I mean, Joe, this might be blasphemous. I think this is a 
good cast. I don't think this is a great cast. I think 41 had a much better cast. After now seeing them in the preseason and seeing them here on episode one, there aren't that many. Like, honestly, I think that almost everybody on 41 is more of a popping character than even the best here. And just because it's balanced now, I think doesn't necessarily mean it'll be balanced tomorrow. And I think Mike is one of those few people that could be above like batting above his average right I, I think he could be somebody who they go to for confessional uh long term as a as a major character forever like he could be this could be mike's season yeah yeah i think that's the case i think there is still potential for this to sort of unravel it is this very balanced good premiere is bringing to mind a lot of seasons where this happens and then it's not a good season yeah the world's after. apart is actually a pretty <laughs> balanced premiere and then yeah and then mike is a very yeah. runaway winner in that season and, so and I, I that's the thing is i mean i think that sometimes fans forget like and i mean obviously you know the edge of community that's what we do we kind of break down the episodes by episode um like i, th- I think it's easy to forget that worlds apart was a pretty balanced premiere i think it's pretty easy to forget uh these seasons with sometimes not these great casts and and sometimes the steamroller do start pretty balanced. Triple H is a season that actually starts fairly balanced, except for Ryan dominating screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben's not dominating screen time, but when you think back on Triple H, he's dominating screen time because the end game matters a whole lot more in fan memory. Yeah. Ben's extremely quiet in the Triple H premiere. Um, mm-hmm. He ends up more more uh more visible that could be mike i mean he is the most like honestly the only thing holding him back for me is that i think he is the most visible in this episode right um i think close well it depends on if you're like thinking like pre-immunity challenge maybe but i think tori does a lot of work post immunity challenge to really boost her yeah okay that's fair yeah still i mean most on this tribe and most yeah like you're gonna have a strong opinion that's like the only thing for me that's like right now a, a heavy resistance other than like weird meta commentary of like oh well, would the best-looking person win? Necessarily? Like, other than those sort of internal dialogues, the only one for me that's like an actual thing is that he is extremely visible coming out of here. And I don't know, maybe maybe survivors move beyond the the, the super visible player, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, any other thoughts on Mike? Nope. So he's my number one. He's Joe's number five. We'll we'll see where everybody else stacks up here. So let's jump here. Is it Taku? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taku. Uh, this is a tribe that it's like. Easy easily the least developed right like we we don't know anything about any of these relationships yeah i don't know it's somehow like from what i saw it is my favorite tribe i really like the people on this tribe and i want to see more of them hey i love to hear it so joe let we'll start here with obviously jonathan Uh, i can't believe jonathan's the first alphabetically but he is um and jonathan to me this is actually a pretty good premiere uh, preseason, I was kind of talking up, like, I think there might be more to this guy than worth seeing. I think I might have been wrong on that, but I think I am right that he's going to make the merge. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I could see him maybe actually being a winner threat because he's smarter than he seems and he's athletic. He already has reality TV experience. Kind of surprised that wasn't brought up. There's a chance there's, like, rights issues or something, but uh, he does get the first first confessional, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, what did what did you make? Uh, and I actually called him as the first confessional, so I do want to pat myself on the back there. 
uh, in the episode that no one listened, to, no one was able to hear. I did call that. Um, yeah, what what did you think of Jonathan, Joe? I I know I was really skeptical of Jonathan preseason. I did not think he was going to do well. I think he really surprised me this episode and that he is clearly a very uh, vital part of Taku. I don't think he's going anywhere soon on that tribe. He is someone I actually like, liked for the character that he was. Um, but I, I don't think he's winning. <laughs> um... I think this episode really did a lot to show how strong and vital Jonathan was to Taku, but, like, not explicitly so. Like, it was a lot of, like, Jeff just being like, Jonathan is making Taku win. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, I don't know, really developed scenes of that. And like you said, there was n- very little development of this tribe um, in, like, camp life scenes. So we didn't see it there either. Um, and the idea of a balanced, well-rounded person, <laughs> Jonathan, at least so far, is not that. I think there is an interesting potential for this really physically focused Jonathan in this premiere. And then they do interesting things to show his other sides, but that wasn't here so far. So I have Jonathan pretty low, but that's not to say I'm disappointed in him as a character. (laughs) Agreed. I think, I think he was pretty fun. And yeah, I mean, I don't think he's likely winning. Um, (laughs) I, I agree with you there. That said, I mean, this tribe, I do think it's sacrificed a little bit to Jackson, right? Like, yeah. I do think that almost all this tribe's camp life was about Jackson. What if next week it's just all of a sudden a complex tribe? I, I could see that. I could see that being very possible. Uh, mm. And the, the show takes special attention to make sure we know Jonathan's perspective on anything, right? Um so we do get Jonathan talk about the triangles. We do get Jonathan talk about uh, his view on puzzles. We we go to him more than I think you'd think. And, like, he doesn't have that much sophistication to bring to the table. But they're still going to him in kind of meaningful ways. And, yeah, I mean, I think he could kind of surprise us as a more important strategic center than I think you'd expect from this archetype, maybe? Yeah. Like, I don't think he's Joe Anglum. I, I think he's probably mm-hmm. more important than that. And I could see him maybe making some important moves in the season or even getting a lot further than that must vote them out before they win the challenges early merge spot. You know, like I, I think he could maybe be more of an important character. Like he didn't have a whole lot of content, but I was willing to say he's probably, if I had to pick somebody to be on the DVD cover, I mean, I'd pick Mike, but second, I'd pick probably Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right in that Taku's time was really taken by Jackson a lot. And then what wasn't, you had Marianne to compete with. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was really these other four. I think it's interesting the content they got. I think Jonathan is really the one. I mean, Lindsay too, but they both, their content didn't strike me as individualized. So yeah. that's where I'm, that's where I'm sort of sitting now with Jonathan. But definitely, you know who he is. Yeah, And I think that's a really good start going forward for an interesting story potentially. But I I think it's more likely it develops into something we're not going to see the stories of the season align with. Agreed. Yeah. And I I don't think that anybody else... Like, here on this tribe, I'm actually higher looking at it on some of these people than I thought initially. Uh, But I'd have them higher than a lot of people on this cast. Like, honestly, almost higher than the entire Ica tribe I'd have Jonathan. Um, We'll get there, but... Yeah, I well, Jonathan's my lowest, but this tribe is higher than a lot of people on Ica. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's Jonathan. Let's jump here to Lindsay, who, Joe, I think might be the fastest runner I've ever seen. I don't know <laughs> what the hell is happening to that blood thing, but I felt bad for her that she had to wait because girl just zoomed there like no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sprinted back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have much from her, right? Like, it was literally just about the advantages. Like, there's almost nothing else. Um yeah, but not a ton of in, individually defined. Like, and this is somebody like... that we thought was going to be like a Debbie type. I don't think that's what she's going to bring. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize there as an individual character, but there's also not a lot that makes her an individual. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, um, I, I just feel like I, I know who Lindsay is from like, just as a character, but not, here's my story, here's how I'm playing the game, all of that. Yeah. I think a character like Lindsay might need that, to be honest. Some sort of contextualization. Right. Mm. Erica gets that, right? Like I think people do forget that she did talk about that in the premiere. Like it's not like she was absent. Um she 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 dictated her game strategy. It was vague and that's all she said, but it was there. Uh Lindsay says nothing, and that to me has a hard time seeing her as a winner. I do think she could be a little bit more of an important character. Uh obviously she yeah. has this advantage, and I, I I do think she's probably gonna be important to whatever the power dynamic is here. Yeah, I think that's just one of the tricky things with Taku is even compared to Vadi, where it's these three neutral pairs, Taku is nothing. We have no idea anybody who's <laughs> spoken to anybody i don't yeah. think we saw two people talking yeah i think you're right it was either group scenes or nothing else actually i think i can't even remember what they're like yeah they never paired off or anything they didn't it was literally <laughs> like they the only content they get is them building the shelter them sending marianne to the thing jackson quitting jackson telling a story or sorry mm. not quitting getting them out of act yeah that's really interesting actually it's it like know. literally it <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad or it's probably neutral. They had to take a they had to take like they didn't have to talk about who is going home. Mm-hmm. Right? Like at all. And it seems like it probably wasn't Jackson. I just have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, we really have no idea. And uh that makes it just like hard to talk about. Like I don't have much more to say on Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think episode two is going to be really... Episode two is basically these people's premiere. Yeah, it'll be... Well, I don't know. I have some interesting to, things to say this time, but... Cool. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of people here, it really defines where they're going in this Agreed. Thing. Agreed, agreed. Uh, that brings us to... I, and, and you know how you know this tribe got ignored? I still don't know how to say Maria's name. It's Mariah. Mariah? Okay. Yeah. Was, was that said allowed it was i did hear it okay yeah so uh, (laughs) joe she's last for me um okay she literally only speaks to say she screwed up the challenge right like uh, other than that is completely absent from this episode and the (laughs) preseason well that was her video was just last yeah so we didn't we didn't do a good job covering it but you didn't hear it so you never you never heard anything um mariah is sixth for me she is right on the edge of contenders 
I think those opening scenes are really, they make me think. Like, you know Mariah is doing this part of the challenge. You know she messed it up. She acknowledges it. She wants to do better. And then, yeah, you do get nothing else. But at least for me, I was like, that's really interesting. That's the start of a story, yeah. Like, we're gonna come back to Mariah. So, I think looking at sort of how Taku developed, I think that is an interesting, I mean, it is something we'll sort of figure out next episode. Um, No, I, I see what you're saying. Like, next week, if this is about how Mariah flourishes, I'm all in. You know, like, I, I could totally see that. Uh, with what we have, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I have no, nothing but last place for her. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean she's leaving next, but, you know, just, I feel like they would give more. But again, Jackson does suck up a lot of this airtime, yeah. so. I think our difference here might be, like, if you gave out this premiere as sort of, like, an edgic personality test, and, like, here are your archetypes, where do you put them, just based on this? Like, I'm going to, like, value this, like, or at least be hopeful for its potential. And I think you're more likely to see the probable writing on the wall that is like, nothing's going to come of this. Put her last. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think that probably comes to how we are, right? A little bit. Like, I think that we both want the more quiet characters to get their due, right? We do want that. I think both of us like that. Mm-hmm. I do think that you love them more than I do. Like, <laughs> yes. I... Like, your favorite characters are generally a lot more quiet than my favorite Survivor character. Yeah, like, they're I would, Yeah, like, I love Shan, <laughs> and you would probably love her card kind of thing, you know, like, in terms of edit. Um, like, I'm generally like, well, if they're getting TV time, it's because they make sense on primetime TV, and they're good, uh, and, and I, I want to like, see them. They're not getting TV time. What are they doing as quietly as they can, and why is it so captivating to me? Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> it is fun. Like, sometimes sometimes it is. But, like, I am not a Chelsea Walker <laughs> fan. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, she's boring. <laughs> Next. Like... I don't I don't look for that kind of stuff as much. I did love um in that same season though, I believe Jenna. Like Jenna. Like I did like you know, I, I'm not completely foreign to the UTR quirky girl. UTR but, fun. Yeah, like uh if there is a UTR quirky girl, I do think it probably is Mariah. I think she'll be a bigger character than just quiet, uh bad at challenge girl. Mm-hmm. I, I I think she probably will pop more because that's why they checked in on her. A lot of people fucked up this challenge. Mariah's the one who gets to talk about it. That does matter. I just think it's probably fun character, not um Yeah. I mean, winner. did you see her hat? She's wearing like this leopard print fuzzy hat. No, she does have a cool hat. Like I do have to <laughs> I do have to appreciate the hat. She has she's like a fashionable person. Mm-hmm. You can just tell her uh uh island getup is like pretty dope, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Taku had an easier time in general because Vadi had to stick to like green and neutrals. I Ika yeah. was like all blue and then Taki yeah. was like all the warm colors are yours so they have like pinks and yellows and then oranges Dude, too yeah yo the blue tribe like they lost this challenge they just look like dweebs like they're tr- their color we'll get there but like their colors are just horrible um but yeah like I don't know Mariah I I think she's actually I think my hot take is she's gonna be a fun character people really gravitate towards like long term mm-hmm like, has the potential to build up and yeah. actually be something good. So, hopefully. Uh, speaking of large characters, uh, Marianne, <laughs> I <laughs> went through, like, like she just, she gets the episode title. It's like a roller coaster. 
And I really did not like that confessional. It was so performed because a roller coaster is a great way to describe Survivor in a lot of ways. You know, it's not like the start of the game. Like the start of the game is like very unlike a roller coaster. There's not, you know what to expect exactly. You know, there's no well, twists and whines. <laughs> you know that Jeff Probst is going to ask you some questions. You're going to do a challenge. You're going to go introduce yourself. There's not that much stakes there. Well, and weirdly, I think, sorry, I shouldn't interrupt, but I think she, her metaphor weirdly works for this because she is describing the literal beginning of a roller coaster yeah. where it's like just starting up. Like, I'm like, she's like, it's like a roller coaster. And I'm thinking, okay, so you're, you're getting up to that first peak and then it's going to be a downward motion there. And she's like, no, oh, right. it's just when you're starting and you're going up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, that's fair. I just, it annoyed me because you know that, like, for me, having knowledge of TV and how TV works, it's like, I know she had the idea of this metaphor planned, and she didn't have the substance to back it up in this confessional, and it bothered me so much. And, but then I thought she was really, like, when she was, like, smiling incessantly at the marooning, I loved it. And then she started talking, and then she literally said, like, more times than Erica did in that confessional where she won the game, you know? It was, she didn't, I don't think she said a sentence, she just said, like, 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 and it drove me insane, and then, um... She has this great camp scene afterwards and she's cheering on Lindsay running and then I was like, oh, I love her again. And then she cries when Jackson leaves and I'm like, oh my God, like get off my TV. I could not pick whether I liked her or not. I have no idea right now. She's easily grating, but then when she's really likable, she's extremely likable. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen a character like this before where Sometimes I'm like, get the fuck off my TV. Like, you just made this Jackson leaving moment about you in a way that's, like, painful. But you're also really fun when you're fun. I just, I I'll, I only want her when she's fun. She is a fascinating character. I'm, I'm so glad she's here. She is my favorite, like, character right now on the show. Like, I am wholeheartedly here for the Marianne journey. And I think, having said that, I think... What I've seen a lot of apprehension about is how much of what she's doing is performative. And I think in her mind, she does have this thought that like, oh, I am on a TV show. I can exaggerate and I know how to shape the things I want to say. I think you're right with the roller coaster confessional. And also the one about talking about how she's here for the weird people. Like these are very like things she thought to say before she was even on the island. Um, but I think even still through all of that, it belies this sort of charismatic cleverness that has gotten her this far. And I'm willing to like go with that, even if some of it is a little put on it's just such a fun energy yeah that i want to see on survivor so and the good's probably worth the bad i just like honestly i thought the like she was all out bawling (laughs) and shrieking the entire time jackson's trying to explain what happened And, and it was the level for me, the the speed of it was the level of, for me, that there's no chance, maybe there's genuine emotion behind it, but there's no way that exact reaction was genuine. That bothers me. I like reality TV because it's real people on TV. 
I don't want bad acting on my reality TV. And at times she gets there. And but when she's good, she's really good. And maybe the fact this is all within 48 hours or whatever it is hurting that part. Like, because you know, you come into it, you have all these ideas of what you're gonna do and say and react and everything like that. You like like you can tell she's already thinking about what gift she's gonna be in. Um <laughs> and that's grading. But you know that in 10 days or 14 days or whatever. That's going to morph into being more naturalistic, and that's what I'm going to like her a lot. The issue is, I wish she was playing a 36-day season and not a 26-day one, because the further day count she's in, the better of a character she's going to be. But the earlier, which a lot more stuff is going to happen on earlier day counts, the more grating she's going to be sometimes, because she's still not tired and uh, routine broken enough to not be a put-on sometimes. So I'm really mixed on her, but I really like her when I liked her, it's just sometimes it's like, okay, I know this is a bit. I see through this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm curious to see where she falls in this tribe, because I think given how long we spent just discussing Marianne's character, it makes her really hard to place in terms yeah. of is she winning this game. I feel like I don't know. <laughs> I you could leave next and I would not be surprised at all, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I feel like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense because like they're getting as much out of this larger yeah. than life character as they can in two episodes. <laughs> Um, right. Or they had a lot of really interesting stuff that she was doing in this premiere, and then she goes on to win, but you're not going to leave all that at the door. Yeah, no, totally, <laughs> right? I-, I do think that, like, red flags for her are, if this character wins, we would see this tribe, right? Like, talking, because they would be having fun camp moments or, or something, right? The fact that she didn't, we didn't see her speak one-on-one to a single person makes me think she's probably the next boot. Yeah. Right? Like, because <laughs> like, my guess is what they're saying is, oh my God, she's annoying. <laughs> but they don't want that in the premiere. They want to hold that for a couple weeks. Maybe this tribe wins a couple challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I feel like that shoe's going to drop because otherwise we would see her talking to people. And the fact that she spoke to nobody to me means that they don't like her that much and are going to vote her out. And I feel that's what the preview scene the here's Marianne is really leading up to. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it looks really fun, but then people are like, yeah, she's gotta go. No, things that look really fun on TV are often, if you're hot, tired and hungry and miserable and somebody's like playing a character, like, that's the thing is like, it's important to contextualize that these people are there 24 hours a day. And if you saw the Twitter and Reddit reception to Rianne of people going like 50-50, either like loving her and being like, oh my God, yes, queen. Or like, oh my God, get her off my TV. The same thing is happening, but times a million out there, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're living with this person, I would say even a good percent of the people who are loving them gonna pull maybe in the i don't know if i can even trust them they're so out there and they got this uh intro package i think joe she is my next boot pick i think they are hiding the dirt because if they show anything of that this week of any any single person saying they don't like or don't trust or or anything like that they lose a fun character they lose any dramatic intrigue because the minute that shoe drops it's very obvious she's getting voted out. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I'll say it here. I think I have to, like, I'm not even going to pick an alternate. I have to go with you, Marianne, for next boot. Like, you can't make me pick someone else. Yeah. Um, we're both going to be in that boat together. Because, yeah, that just seems so likely. Yeah. 
And like I, I've Joe, people on our edgic and everything like that are picking her as a winner. And I do not see it. Like, I don't know how this character wins without a relationship. That would be shocking to me that this character specifically could win that way. If that's the case, I do think this would be a new genre of editing style. I think you can sort of put it under this like idea that Taku was Jackson's story for this. Yeah, episode. agreed. And then, but I mean, there's, it's really yeah. What does she look like next episode? Um, where does it go from here? Right. I and yeah, as an asterisk there, I actually do agree with that. If next week it is, this is actually Taku's premiere more or less. And yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, I just I still think you'd show her talking to somebody if she wins. Yeah, I will say she comes off the best of the three people who went to the summit agreed i think like just comes off the best in the way that i also think it makes her the most likely next boot the one to leave the next but yeah i agree she she's clearly the main character of that three yeah i think like you can have different lists in different orders for most likely to win and next likely to go like the person who has lost on my winner list is not the person i think is going next like like that's i mean that's almost obvious to say but yeah i think marianne is sort of middling on winner contender but yeah right 16th on she has some large she has like a decent amount of win equity specifically win equity and a whole lot of next boot energy Mm -hmm. yeah i actually i I thought you had her high, so I am glad that we're on the same page there, because... High in my heart, because I'm a loyal Mary Stan. Yeah, I don't even... She's probably ninth for me in terms of favorite, because it's just 50-50, like... (laughs) It depends what scene she's in. You know, there's there's some actors that are this way too. It's just, they dominate a screen. And so sometimes you just want someone more subtle when you're watching mm. a two-hour movie. You just want a little bit more of a subtle performance than Adam Sandler, like making fart jokes with his armpit. And that's Marianne. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> like sometimes it's really funny and really great and captivating. And then sometimes you're like rolling your eyes like The Undertaker. get off my tv so that's marianne um that brings us to omar king of guelph ontario uh where i'm from more or less from a small town outside of guelph but love to see it uh and joe i'm really high on omar if anybody on this tribe is winning it's omar uh yeah definitely I mean, he's definitely got the best edit of these folks because he gets a lot. He's in this episode quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. The biggest argument against him, I think, is that he also makes like an animal related analogy to winning. And like, would they really do Tony, Lion's Eye and Hyenas to Erica, Lamb to Lion to omar pigeon uh owl yeah i was trying to remember what the other animal is i know i think that could be really charming if like two people did it back to back where they're like first i'm this then i'm this i that would be cringe <laughs> i was very very low on omar preseason yeah um, <laughs> I he did not come off great to me. Um, he's so into his animal analogy in a way that Erica wasn't even. Um, and then he also just felt very clinical. That being said, I also acknowledge the ability for me to be wrong in a very David Voce kind of way. And I think I was because Omar is my number one. <laughs> 
um yeah you're totally right in that he just had a ton of content that felt not in the slightest like necessary like he comments on jackson leaving he gets to like talk about the challenge and stuff um he says your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you he's just there yeah everywhere If there's anyone I don't need to see more from Ontaku, it's Omar. Which, like... Yeah, Omar just, like, narrating, like, monologuing (laughs) to the audience directly, right? Like, you know who it reminds... It reminds me of Michelle Fitzgerald in Korong in a way that nobody since then has. Of just, like, why are they going to Omar? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you have Jonathan and Marianne, theoretically good characters in Lindsay and Mariah, and yet we go to Omar. So, yeah, I I don't know. It just all sort of clicked. I feel really strongly about Omar. Yeah, no, he's my number two. And he would be my number one if he wasn't on this godforsaken tribe. Like, if he was on any other tribe, he is easily number one. I think he has the best edit, specifically, in terms of, like, the best episode one. The issue is that he's on a tribe that didn't speak together mm-hmm. Single time, and that's a big deal. And my, that's enough for Mike to be number one. Um, because yeah, like, dude is just like it's like the kind of thing where it's like they would go to a generic confessional about, um, oh, Jackson leaving sad, and then instead they go to Omar, like, waxing poetically about his his game strategy. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's like, that that's not what they would naturally do. Like, yeah. I, so, yeah, I mean, I could be convinced to have him number one as well. Uh, again, the only giant asterisk is that this tribe didn't speak, so maybe everybody hates him. <laughs> but, yeah, he looked really, really good, and I'm... I was not sure what to make for you. Like, we we don't share our contenders beforehand, but I knew that you were extremely low on him, and I came into it a lot higher than you in our uh, deleted preseason one, but you kind of persuaded me to drag him down a little bit. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe Joe will also not see it here. But yeah, no, I think this was a, a pretty stellar episode. He He's introduced early enough. You know his occupation. I would hate if it's another animal allegory. Like, find something else. But I, I think mean, you, if, you can't argue with the results. If that's the specter they're playing under, like, you can't. <laughs> oh, it's like reverse psychology. <laughs> well, like. If you just saw Erica win, and then you're like, Omar is trucking his way to a win, being like, I'm the pigeon who's an owl. Like, you can't be like, okay, please don't say that in your confessional. We've already, it's already been done. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And we didn't get any like cringy, bad, like a big problem with him preseason was he was like, I'm going to figure out who the raven is and who the alligator is and then who the dog is and then assign them the appropriate medication. And we didn't get any of that, at least. Mm-hmm. and that's yeah. a good sign because we know he's talking about that shit um yeah and i think he didn't the biggest thing is they can i feel like they have the potential to make omar dip into what i saw preseason and that's when i'll fall off yeah like, the fact that they did such a good job of avoiding that and making him sincere and likable is what's right. really making me think this is someone to watch but they did yeah. the same thing with voce so maybe he's going next episode i don't know and i i think i mean i don't think we 
viewed Voce as a winner threat, though, right? Like, we're yeah. like, oh, he didn't come off like a total asshole. <laughs> That's, yeah. I cleared the bar. Omar, I think it's more like, he would look like, he could have looked like Dr. Mike, and he didn't. He looked like a winner. He looked like somebody who could win the game, or, like, he had power behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't look like somebody who could even, if next week he's Dr. Mike, that would be a weird tonal change whereas i think preseason we're like oh he reminds me a lot of dr mike of like goofy maybe good maybe can surprise you at the game this is a guy who's actually presented as good at the game first and foremost and maybe he has other qualities too but you know from the start he's presented as strong he would be a he would be a boss to take down if he's not the winner and Mm -hmm. he could easily look like a total buffoon so I think that's really good for him. Yeah, and he he's really the one who fits into sort of like the well-rounded person on this tribe, I think. Agreed, he slayed that puzzle. <sighs> and he was the one who, sh- like, he, Jonathan's like, oh my god, Omar's, a- I-, I only saw 11, and Omar, he's able to count 36 more than me. I'm gonna learn to take my place and just be the provider and, and invest more in him. Like, that's, like, the one relationship we get this episode, is mm-hmm. Jonathan endorsing Omar. Yeah. And Omar getting to look good and positive. Like, he just gets everything this week. Like, everything that we're saying is positive for all these other people, Omar also gets. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he is that person you naturally go to. Like, every scene he's talking is a scene, you, you know, they're not getting a Marianne confessional or whatever. Or or whoever. Right? Like, pick your, pick your poison. And he's not that good of a confessionalist. So... It, you know, massive plus, 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 plus to Omar. Yep. And I mean, either way, I think if he's not the winner, I think he's on the DVD cover. I think no matter what, he's a main character. Yeah, I think he's an exciting character for this season. So agreed, agreed. Uh, and that brings us to Jackson. I mean, obviously, we talked a lot about Jackson. Um, what a, yeah, just an interesting edit. Because he doesn't get anything until his fire talk scene. Yeah. And so that's all contained in one. And then he doesn't get anything again until his <laughs> departure. Which, which makes sense. Maybe that is like sort of their like, we're encapsulating it as much as we can. Like, we know this is a really good story of um, like a transgender passed away on this show. Um, and we've, we let him play. So we have to at least showcase that, I guess, and then go. Like, if you want to consider editing and production sort of separate, editing is telling the best story that they can and went from there. So, yeah, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job. I'm glad it was positive, I guess. Agreed. I and I mean, we often talk about the segmentation of Survivor, and it's very clear they gave him two segments. Like, mm. Um, you know, they split up their 44 minutes into a certain amount of segments. That's just how TV works. Um, especially this genre of TV. And you just know that they gave them two segments. That was on their mood board. That was on their plan board. That was on their production document. Two segments. And they made the most of those two segments to the detriment of the rest of this tribe. Um, but... I, I think they wanted to tell the story and I think they did a pretty good job with that in mind. They probably could have split this up into maybe smaller moments within those segments, but they clearly just had a mandate to give them two segments, you know, one to tell a story and then one to get out of there. Yeah. So a little clunky, but I think good nonetheless. Yep. Uh, that brings us to the not Ica tribe, the Ica tribe. Yeah. Um, missed opportunity survivor. It's it's Ika. Um, but they say Ika. Uh, so Ika. Uh, that brings us to Drea. 
And I mean, I guess first, any any baseline takeaways on the Eco Tribe? Uh, a mess that I did not. I, I predicted that they would be very chaotic, but not in the way that it panned out. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think we both kind of like. To me, this was probably my favorite tribe going in because I thought they would be like fun, but they're like a train wreck. I could see them losing a lot. Yeah, they're I think my my least favorite. Yeah, I think kinda, they're, I think they're my least favorite actually. Yeah, they're kind of mis- they feel miserable. <laughs> They do. They don't feel like they want to be there. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the tribe. We'll get there. So Drea, Drea, is somebody that neither of us were high on, right? Like I think we both were like, oh, not thinking that. I thought they would make the merge, but mm-hmm. um, I was not high on them as a character. But Drea really sold me, Joe. I think yeah. Drea, Drea, I really liked in this episode. She was way better on the TV show than she was in the preseason. Her preseason stuff sucked, and she was really fun. This week i thought like her especially the fact that she laughs like her laugh is iconic her laugh is so funny um hmm. she she laughs at the end of both of her confessionals right like two of her big confessionals she she has this very noticeable laugh it's great i think she has a fun perspective like i don't know i i'm a i'm a drea lover now yeah i i really found i think it wasn't that i thought her preseason stuff was bad i just thought this isn't actually a super fan this isn't someone who's going to be an interesting character and she has already done so much to prove us wrong like any risk that happens she's like yeah i'll take it yeah i I love that, like, Tori was like, Drea, you started a rumor about me. We need to go talk. And they end up wanting to work together more than anything else. I think that's a ton of fun. I know that doesn't look great in the preview, but (laughs) yeah, I just, I was really a Drea fan. Yeah, no, same. And yeah, like, she was just a different character than I expected. And I really worry a little bit that she might not make it too far. She gets, like, the weird Voce-esque half intro package, Mm -hmm. which alone makes me nervous. but other than that, I think I would be very happy if she makes it long term. We see her kind of align with the older folks, but then we also see her singing the Survivor song with the younger folks. Like, it, you know, it was she was just fun. I, I really, really was uh, engrossed by her. Yeah, she's the one I empathize most with on this tribe. Like, she understands how miserable Rockstar is being. Yeah. She, I don't know, she just gets it. I I really enjoyed her, her place in this tribe. And her sort of just taking charge. Yeah, she dominated this tribe, right? Like, that's <laughs> what it looks like. Like, she mm. was cool with the younger folks. Roxroy is the one who goes and has, like, a heart-to-heart with her. Seems like she has a good bond with Romeo. Like, it seems like she just is everybody's person. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, like, impressive. Awesome. I think that I could see her winning. Um, it'd be weird. This drive just doesn't seem like it could produce a winner to me. But, like, if it... I- if- I don't know. Could be Drea. I'm generally low on them. Like, Drea yes. is 15th for me. Like, I 15th? love her. Listening. <laughs> but really? I think, I think she she's related to a lot of advantages. She gets the, like, opening twist one. She gets the summit one. And there's just not a lot of development on either of those. Like, she gets to open the opening challenge twist. But we don't really get her view on, like, what she's going to do. Um, Once again, we don't get much after the twist like talking about what she's doing with it i just it's not there for me <laughs> yeah i kind of don't want to agree with you but i kind of do part of me thinks Drea might not be here long and makes me sad 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's weird. It's on paper. She has, we get to know who she is, her, where she's from, that she lives in Montreal. Like we get to learn a lot about her. We get to see her play well, but there's just something missing. That's a little bit intangible in terms of a story, right? Like mm-hmm. we know her view on the game, but not her story. I think she's, important enough in this episode that they could have given her more just like even just a little bit more right like she's yeah why does she like tori all of a sudden you know like what's how does that story break down that we don't get drea's perspective Mm -hmm. i think that's a missing missing piece yeah yeah she feels like the first person i've seen on this season was like the missing piece at it like there's really strong points but then it's like it's like swiss cheese there's like holes where there should be more yep. stuff. And Agreed. Pretty, I don't know, bad to say in the premiere when I had a ton of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted to say, and I can't believe you have her second to last, but like, I wanted to say I could see her being the winner of this tribe because I'm not very high on this tribe in general, but I actually don't agree with that. Like, I actually do have people much higher than her on this tribe. So, yeah, I mean, I love her a lot more than I thought I would. I, I, I kind of hope she wins. She'd be my top five favorites, I think. Yeah, and uh, I don't think she's gonna be in the top five of this season. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, already a big hill to climb. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, giant positive impression. But uh, let's jump here to Roxroy, who we were both extremely high on oh, preseason. No. <laughs> yeah, this is talking about our Omars and I know whoever else I was low on Jonathan. This is the opposite way where I was all aboard the rock story train. He was your actual official pick, right? That was my actual official pick. And then he is just a, like wants to build the shelter miserable person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no. like, in a way, it's so weird to see in season 42, like, that people are still like this. <laughs> like, what are you Right, doing? isn't he a super fan? Yeah. Like, how do you get on Survivor and be the tribe, <laughs> like, camp guy as a super fan? You know, like, that's like, that's been, that was made a mockery in season six. I remember mm-hmm. vividly, right? Like, Rob making fun of Roger building the shelter, <laughs> like. Yeah. Thirty five other seasons, thirty six other seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like yeah, he, he's just like snappy elsewhere. Like right before he's like Swati, who should we vote out? He's like, you should clean those things. Yeah, <laughs> like what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, he. If Drea is 15th, he's 16th. <laughs> I think there is a weird case where, like, there was this justification with the opening package. Yeah. Like, oh, he's a he's a stay-at-home dad. He's, like, raising his kids this way. But I don't know if it's enough. And he's already being sort of shown as, like, lazy or, like... Out of like, breath. Yeah, not lazy, I guess, but, like, not able to compete in the challenges despite being this, like, workhorse at camp. It's just not a good look. Right, no, it reminded me, you know, who it reminded me of is the war dog. Um... Like, we got that part of it, too, right? Like, I mean, we did... Wardog was, I think, probably a much better player. But we got mm-hmm. these weird... Like, and he was a huge Edgic favorite. Like, people really, really were on his page. And we were not. Like, we we were pretty anti the Wardog in terms of winter threat. And the reason is that he got, like, clowned on in the challenges. And he's, like, a big buff dude. And yeah. Rockstroy got that, too. Like, Drea's talking about voting him out as a challenge liability. <laughs> like... That's, I I do not think that there's a world 
where Rock's Roy, like, big, like, like, you know, like, and sorry to bring up Mike Holloway again, but Mike Holloway in 30 in the premiere is presented or Bob the Builder in, in Gabon is they're presented as people who care too much about the tribe camp, right? Like building the shelter and everything. Like they're the shelter guys. Those are the only two that I think of one, right? Like the only two shelter dudes that have won. And yeah, neither of them are getting clowned on in the challenges. They're remarkable athletes. Or even <laughs> JT, right? It's yeah. JT spits his tooth out and, and Jeff Probst talks about how much grit he has. Rockroy's getting described as lazy in the challenge and being a boss at camp. Like we I don't think we've ever seen that before anything other than like the second boot. Yeah, it was it was wild. I was there for the moment Rockstar was almost going to get voted out because he apparently wasn't needed for the challenges. When Which, you have like Zach and Romeo. You have Zach and Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to Zach, but oof. Um yeah, like he was gassed, but like in defense of Roxroy, it's because he was doing so much in that challenge. Yeah. Like this this tribe is not stacked. This tribe is very weak, and they're only... I mean, Drea's obviously in amazing shape and everything like that, but Roxroy's like their athletic guy, but he's older than all... I mean, I guess Mike's older, but, like, Mike is their athletic guy, or, you know, their challenge guy to some degree, but, like, they still have High and Chanel, and, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. they've got a really good foundation there, whereas it's just Rux, Roy, and Drea, and everybody else is pretty actively bad, right? Like, Tori's Tori's third, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, there's no question, and and I think that says a lot. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, very low on Rox, Roy. There's maybe a chance he has a redemption he talks about being adaptable we didn't see him be adaptable after um (laughs) which is which is the red flag yeah but for a moment i was like oh maybe this is the mike holloway moment where you know mike holloway eats the scorpion vomits it and then talks about how that means he's gonna win um but Rockford just doesn't have that second act even he he doesn't have he has the he eats the scorpion he's bossy around camp but he doesn't vomit it up in in triumph (laughs) of american values you know he just he just vomits (laughs) Hmm. So not high on Roxroy. Mm-hmm. Am high on Roxroy as a character in a way. I think he's kind <laughs> of a funny, funny contradiction that way. Like hmm. the idea that he, I don't know. There's just like he's not even like I don't know. Like there's something captivating about the idea of you know being a dad and not having to provide everything and, and all the answers and then being with adults and not having to do that but like and i i know he's a stay-at-home dad so it's even more more the case but just i feel like you don't have to boss people around isn't necessarily a dad or not dad thing you know yeah <laughs> so yeah that, that's rocks right let's mm-hmm. jump here to romeo who i mean i was very low on preseason Mm-hmm. And I'm less low on now, but still low on. He's another one who's gone from like, yeah, I thought he was the definite first boot on this tribe to like, is kind of in the best spot on the tribe now. Yeah. And like, I don't know quite how that happened. Yeah, I I think he had a mostly really good episode that showed him in a really good light, except he was like kind of all over the place on who was actually going home. Yeah. Like, he was told it was Roxroy at one point, and then he was told it was Tori, and then it was unanimously Zach. So I I don't know. 
he's not actually very high for me in terms of winner equity because that seems like a lot of contradictions in this one episode but i want to sort of keep that in mind as maybe me over reading each like letter of what's happening as opposed to yeah yeah the thing with roxroy is i think he needs this tribe to lose a lot because i think he actually probably makes it out similar to a ricardo shan like if the Mm -hmm. tribe does just eat garbage i think he's probably one of the last two um and i could see him actually winning from that i think that you see this sometimes with like denise and malcolm right they have angie they have um russell swan they have uh you have denise with zane you have they're they're bouncing all over all these people because eventually it's only going to be them and they need to show that how they interact with other people, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to you need to understand who Denise is beyond how she is with Malcolm. Even yeah. though that's the only person who's there, you just need to show how they interact with people. In a way, I got that sense from Romeo. You just randomly have them thrown into these different duos. One of them leaves. They're, they they make the skinny boys alliance, and Zach leaves. But Romeo doesn't seem that bothered by it. It's not like Romeo's trying to save Zach. Romeo's just like, yeah. It sucks that Zach's the target. I thought we had an alliance. Um, mm-hmm. Moving onward. Like, if this tribe just completely eats shit and he's it's him and somebody else in the end, I could see, like, you know, two of them or whatever. I could see Romeo winning because this is how you show the complex. Like, inherently, you have to, like, if the complex tribe just, there's two of them left at the end. You do have to show how these <laughs> the two survivors talk to people. Um, so for that reason, I mean, if if that's it, it's Romeo and Tori. And uh, I, I can see either of them winning. Um, it's not super high, uh, but there's that niche pathway. I think that that makes sense. And Romeo proved himself. A, you at least leave this episode knowing who he is, what he does, and his game philosophy to some degree. He's a super fan. He's going to play well good reads you leave this with him as more or less a fully formed character the issue yeah. is that i think this eco tribe is going to eat shit and he could leave mm-hmm. or even not leave and then just it be the story of him being a good strategist not winner yeah for sure that said i mean i think it is good that you know we do know he's a pageant director we do know a lot of stuff about him without him getting the intro package mm-hmm. i think that's good we know more about him than a lot of the people who didn't get an intro package and, and I- I think he's really primed to get one at some point. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. And I almost thought he would. Like, he, I think he gets a couple shots of out of Survivor, but he doesn't get, like, the full package at all. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to place Romeo exactly, but. Mm-hmm. I have him low for now, but I could. I could reevaluate. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I guess that brings us here to Swati, who I loved. I thought she brought a lot to this episode. And she's one that I can't place in terms of win equity. I'm very curious your thoughts because I think on paper she gets really good content. I think she's pretty captivating. She gets to dunk on Zach in a way that I think actually raises her a little bit. Um, and sort of shows her maturity. That said, it's a, not a great tribe. I do think this tribe's probably going to lose a lot. I don't think I can see her making it to the final two of the tribe or something. Um, which then, with her getting the intro package, makes me worry that she could be an early boot. But, yeah, like, wh- wh- where's your head at? Yeah, I've, I've been kind of curious, because I'm like, I was kind of expecting you to be really confidently high on Swati. Um, I love when you, her. When you were talking about about like Romeo making it to a final two of this tribe. I was like, oh yeah, definitely Romeo and Swati. 
and then it was Romeo and Tori. Um, but no, I'm I am really high on Swati. She is my number two. <gasps> I think this content was really strange for her. And I think I think the tribe that you're seeing is really dragging her down. <laughs> Yeah, I think if she escapes this, if they win more challenges, if um, she just makes it out of here, I think that really helps. Because I think she's in a really good position. She honestly might be better off than Romeo. Like, I don't think anyone's coming for her anytime soon. So I think she's in a good position. We get to see her be like, I did bad in the puzzle, but I need to go for Zach because he did way worse in the puzzle. And we see that come to fruition. I think, yeah. I think she has a really solid spot. And I do see where it can sort of slip and fall by the wayside but we're getting her input so i'm really confident in swati's chances yeah and they do go to her in times that they don't necessarily need to right mm-hmm. and i think that that matters I think we did see all the things I was very positive on her preseason for, right? She mm-hmm. wasn't Debbie. <laughs> like, that was definitely a fear. It was like, oh my god, what if this stuff is kind of bullshit? But it's not. And she actually has, like, a pretty heartfelt and emotional, posit- emotionally positive reason for the, you know, the, the National Guard and, and all that sort of thing. So, I really, really liked her. She's almost exactly what I expected. And maybe that's just why I'm not as high. You know, it's, I probably have her in the above 10 range, but I could easily see her leave soon too. And that's the worry for her is she just doesn't have plot armor to me. She doesn't have, like, who's her number one ally? I don't know. It's probably Tori. And the issue is Tori gets a little bit more time to be a character, despite not getting the intro package. Hmm. I guess that is interesting as we see her, her, like, one-on-one after the immunity challenges with Roxroy. as this very confrontational time yeah i'll be curious to see how she develops more um i guess there is something in that she voted off her fellow young person yeah um right like why did they show us the old and young thing if it's oh the young people made a mistake by voting out zach that story is swatty leaves next right Hmm. oh no it's it's that could easily not be the story though (laughs) yeah It's, it's hard to know um I do want to highlight this, and this will work as a good segue, is the Swati Tori talk was really, really funny. Um, where, you know, Tori is like, oh, Swati, how do you say your name? And then she says it, and then Swati's like, how do you say your name? I thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> I thought, okay, when that happens, she's just like, Tori. And I was like, did she know that was Tori from Sequester? And like, because like, Tori's like, how did you know? <laughs> I think she like, was being sarcastic. I okay. think it was I think it was like, um, you know, it's I'm asking you a bunch of times how to say your name, and then uh Swati, I think, is being sarcastic. Saying, okay. Oh, how do you say Tori? Is it Tori? <laughs> and then I think Tori is actually being kind of funny and cheeky back as well, actually saying, Oh my god, how did you know? Oh, okay. That's what I think is happening. There. Okay. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Because, yeah, that would be a weird, like, half sequester, sequester illusion if yeah. <laughs> for a show that I don't think is going to do that. Agreed. And I, I think it was just, like, a funny, funny thing. And that yeah. said, I mean, I think those kind of moments are good for Swati. Like, the fact that we get her name said multiple times and, like, that, in that way, I think is actually good. The, the, it makes the casual audience remember her more. Mm-hmm. And that little funny moment, it could be a winner scene 
right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that she, you have her number two. I hope you're right. I wish I could put her a little bit higher, but yeah, that brings us to Tori. So this is one that I made a big disclaimer of in our preseason episode that kind of got lost in the ether. This is super weird. This is the person. So I vaguely knew who Nick was before David versus Goliath. But I had never interacted with, you know, I, I I talked to him maybe once in a DM or something like that before the season. For Tori, this is a person I know, and this is going to be super weird. We both played a show called Sequester. It's a silly online, uh, you know, and, and we actually both, neither of us played the online one. We played the in-person one. Um, so I've actually been on Zoom calls and Skype calls and stuff like that with Tori. So it's a little weird. Um, obviously, she's a little bit of a um, controversial figure in this season. Um, and for me, it's super weird. I would not say Tori's my friend or anything like that. Not like we have a close relationship or anything like that. I've been on group calls where she's also there kind of thing or, you know, group events or, or what have you. And so it's super weird to see somebody that I, I, I would say that I know at least moderately well an acquaintance of some sort on the season um and having to evaluate them as a as a character and everything like that obviously i think it's well documented some of the things that um make people a little um unenthused to see her here um and i i completely uh, co-sign those things uh but that said i do think that it's probably not my business as somebody who knows her somewhat to bring too much of that into this maybe that's the wrong thing to do i haven't completely decided but um let me know what listeners like what joe etc like what your thoughts are there i do know this person or know know them more than i guess an average tv viewer would um i don't know how much to bring that into it but i've decided at least for this episode to just evaluate the TV character with the acknowledged bias that I do have in, in some capacity as a commentator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very well put. I know um, from talking to you and then other people who have been like tend like involved with sequester, whether that's literally involved like um, contestants or people who help with it or people who are just fans. Like I also had a perception of Tori coming into the season. I've never spoken with her, but that is the case. And so, yeah, I have already found myself having to be careful um, both in preseason and this premiere separating those two when I sort of assess what her, her chances are in this season. So, so yeah, we'll we'll try our best, but it's an interesting case. Yeah. And so at least for this, if, honestly, listeners, if you disagree, if you think we should maybe bring that stuff more into it, let us know. Obviously, we know I, I know her to a degree, so I can I can totally speak confidently on this sort of thing. But as a TV character, I think she was pretty stellar um, on this episode i think she was mm -hmm. one of the main characters i think she'll probably remain to be one of the main characters this is what i was saying in the preseason round tape uh preseason podcast that i think she'll be a star because she really is extremely charismatic she is really likable um and she's she's strategically quite smart um and uh, i think that's what we saw here i mean i think we saw her maybe a little bit more danger than i think people would have expected uh, but it seems like it was all for naught. Like, it doesn't seem like she was actually in any danger at all. Um, but she has to kind of fess up to the idol. I thought that was fun. I honestly thought the, like, lie about her occupation was pretty clever. As well as that whole confessional was pretty good, right? Like, talking about, like, oh, I, I, I want to be more with the nerds. I want to be with people 
that need people so that I can pick them up. Considering that didn't play into this round at all, I think it's actually very good for her long-term chances. Uh, I think we were getting a game philosophy. We got to learn a lot about who she is as a person outside of the game uh, without and without a hype package, and that gives her more to say moving forward. Um, I'm actually very high on Tori's chances in the season. Yeah, I think that was really one of the things I had to relook at was it's very interesting to see how she plays. I feel maybe it's happened with others too but because i know she has sort of experience with sequester and other actual survivor like games like you can tell she's attuned to that and i think it maybe separates her from the person she is at times so you get these like really quippy moments like when (laughs) she like um zach is walking away from her and she's like good job on the puzzle today like in a way that was unbelievably good and (laughs) it's like it kind of pains me to say in a way because yeah um but she was really funny like that was like i think that the lydia wait oh my god are you are you okay you're really bleeding and uh the tory moment of nice job on the puzzle buddy those were the two highlights of the episode um yeah Yeah, i think seeing that and realizing how that is sort of happening with her character it did leave me sort of being like okay she is kind of i don't know being portrayed negatively maybe but then like coming back to it and looking at like who the contenders are i think we instead just got a really nice picture of who tori is how she's playing the game it is a little more strategic than some of these other people are starting off um, but it isn't actually bad. I think I have Toria 8. Like, it still feels kind of not right. She feels very big character, main character, like, yeah. boss to take care of rather than winner. But I could see it. Like, I think the, the foundation there. is there. I agree with you there. And I, I do think that her compared to Angelina is always going to be a good comparison. Um, I think that probably could track here as well. Mm-hmm. And Angelina's freaking awesome so um it's a good person to be compared to so i don't know i just i think that the thing is is i like i've seen some people like some edgic charts having her as over the top negative five in this episode i think that's pretty ridiculous to be honest like there's like a tinge of negativity in terms of getting caught with the idol situation but there's so much more there that is pretty complex pretty deep honestly pretty positive that i i just don't even think she's Maybe has a negative tinge. I don't think she even hits negative tone almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think what I was going to say was that it may be one of the people most valuable to look at other people's perceptions of her and see what a more clear mind is thinking. Yeah. But then we we acknowledged our our possible bias and prejudice here. But there are other people out there who at least know some of the same things. And so, yeah, I also think OTTN is probably not right for Tori. And that makes me wonder, like, <laughs> what's happening there? Like, it's you've got to separate. And it's, yeah. it's really hard to do. But, like... We saw um, we saw this exact same thing with Nick, too, who is another fairly known commodity entering the game. And we did see a large amount of people just completely rule them out from the start. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, I mean, large amount of people, you know, relatively small. You know, the average audience member is like, 
like, oh, Nick seems fun. And then, you know, people in the hardcore space are like, oh, I've seen him post on things and he's actually mean sometimes. And, <laughs> maybe, you know, like maybe we, we know that's the case now. But when you're evaluating the show, it more matters just what you see, right? And so when I see people saying this is an over-the-top negative five premiere for Tori, if anything, that makes me then look at it more and be like, oh, there's like, I can't trust reading people's views on this because the fact that she is a controversial person outside of this is going to cloud a lot of people's view on how she acts. And so every Edric poll and everything like that you have to factor in. Does this person, is this person watching the show with a clear mind? And I can't do that. And that makes it hard mm -hmm. um, because I totally see where they're coming from. Um, do giving her that rating um but i just i don't think that's what we saw and i i agree with you i think she's on the on the higher end here for sure um i think i'm even higher on than you on her this is a great premiere for a character uh yeah she gets some level of adversity but she overcomes it and they make it very clear she overcomes it it's not i don't think you enter this tribal thinking she's leaving by any stretch yeah. of the imagination so yeah, the, they also know, the sort of dramatic pivot of the is like well zach's shot in the dark work it's not yeah <laughs> uh tori versus zach and like i i can't believe they did this but they totally in this start like undercut their own episode they show her finding that beware advantage yeah so there's no stakes at all that she's leaving mm -hmm. and I, I i can't believe they did that for one um, but two, like, what, like, you, you don't, like, even, even if you're a casual viewer, you know, she's safe, right? Like she says a memorable enough line and she's, I think she's the only blonde girl, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like it's going to matter. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty high on her. Again, she's on a terrible tribe. That's going to hurt her long-term, but pretty high on her as a character and honestly, as a winner threat as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd probably bet more on the losing finalist or something like that, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that brings us to Zach. Joe, what were your thoughts on Zach? I was not the biggest Zach fan. He, like I said, there's like Daniel and Zach. Daniel's like the, the super fan who like gets it and fits in. Zach is just like awkward from start to end. Like I forgot that he, that Jeff has him say the opening lines to Tribal. And then it hit me again on the rewatch and I was like, no. Oh yeah, that's painful. And so I was not unhappy to see him go first. Um, I think he is an example of like just being too much of a thing is probably not the best strategy for this season um, with being like a purportedly good at puzzles. Um, Dude, okay. Side note there, because I, I get what you're saying. You know, the idea of you don't want to be the puzzle guy because look at Zach. I he was so bad at that puzzle. Like, I think this is one of the worst challenge performances I've ever seen. And I'm mm -hmm. usually not like a big challenge guy. He was like embarrassing on that puzzle. Like he had that energy of like scared to like get in your way, but he's the one doing it. Like, yeah, like I've, I've and, been watching the after party on Apple TV plus. It's really great. There's a character named Walt on there who basically the conceit is that uh, it's all about a high school reunion. There's a, been a murder at a high school reunion and nobody can remember who this person is. And he keeps kind of like awkwardly tucking into the background and like butting in at weird times and nobody can remember him. 
uh, that's who Zach reminded me of. It's just like he was he was so awkward in that challenge. I could not get over it. It was he was like afraid of getting in Swatty's way, but he's the puzzle like it's only two of them. And it was it was so like I hate using the word cringe, but it was cringe. And yeah, I mean I'm <laughs> I I yeah, my thoughts there. Yeah, and I was on the rewatch because like the immunity challenge was like the least like important part when I'm like going back and analyzing so i'm like okay how is this how are we seeing the picture from our side and they're seeing the picture from their side and you can see on the edge of the pieces that like one side is like a different color so they know which side should be facing them and like ika's pieces are just both ways <laughs> it's just a mess oh um, yeah it was like it was like that man has never done a puzzle in his life <laughs> it was it was so bad it's like, just because you've seen the show a lot doesn't mean you can do a puzzle. Well, and he mentions, like, he had something about memorizing puzzles and how it doesn't matter. Like, so he, I think he has the knowledge where he's memorized some of, like, that like that pyramid ball puzzle that Evie did really quickly last season. But, like, this one is not one to memorize. Yeah, this is just puzzle skills and he doesn't yeah. have them. Even just, like, he was moving so slow, and he looked just so gassed. Like, he looked like he was going to die putting the puzzle pieces up. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, uh... I think this is one of the worst challenge performances we've ever seen, Um, honestly. And it did not... Like, from that moment, I... Like, from that immunity challenge on, I didn't need any context, and there was no sign before then that he was in danger. And I was like, oh, he's gone. Because he just came off useless in a way that, you know, you can fix weak or or things like that you can't fix like is gonna actively get in the way because he can't he's scared like he's he's too i don't even know it's like just can't do a task Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah rep zach i did think he was more likable than i think i thought i was we were both very low on him (laughs) preseason um i thought he would be more annoying but i actually like other than the the um the two moments where he's prompted by jeff you know, the marooning and tribal. I thought he's actually kind of likable. Um, like I liked when he was talking about, like, oh, I've seen 40 seasons of the show and Roxroy's still wanting to be the, the yeah, that shelter was guy. He had some good lines, but anytime he interacted with Jeff, it was, like, so bad. It was, like, anything immunity challenge onward. I was, I was not having it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, good on the editors, right, for giving, like, a satisfying boot. Yeah. You know, in and a it, way, I know it's making me feel guilty. I'm having... The Tory, I'm feeling guilty of that a thing I did. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I'm sure he's nice and he got to be on his show and mm-hmm. feel bad that he's out of it so quickly, but it just did not resonate with me. <laughs> yeah. No, and like Joe, like I think that Jacob Derwin entered the scene in 36 and be like created a new archetype because i think before jacob derwin you know you had cochran's and you had spencer bledsoe's and they all did well right jacob derwin i feel like is the first todd herzog right you know like all people who did really really well even cochran was kind of made fun of but he still made the merge he still did well and jacob derwin sort of represented the first train wreck nerd you know train wreck survivor dork and i mean i honestly think zach might be even more jacob derwin than jacob derwin mm-hmm. like, i don't think there's a chance zach was making it off this tribe or vote i think there's a chance jacob, Der- jacob derwin could have gone further if he didn't like put his foot in his mouth at that challenge and stuff like that right like 
there's moments of of goodness from him uh and and for zach it just it, it seemed like he was just out of his depth yeah i think it's definitely going to be an increasing archetype as like most if not all people on this season identify as a super fan and i think finding those people who are really super fans and have a great knowledge of the show and passion for the show and those skills not translating to <laughs> being good at survivor mm-hmm. they'll like fall flat on their face and have these really um what's a polite word i can say really something of an exit where it's very dramatic yeah. and tragic tragic i think is the right word yeah and like <laughs> honestly it, it does something like it it really does strengthen the the credibility of your cochrans and christians and spencer bledsoe's and stuff right like i think for a while people took for granted how calm like, it was just like, oh yeah you know the survivor super fans just gonna go far you know like mm-hmm. it's just a given um and i think people in a way because of that because all these people did go far and were big characters kind of like took for granted that most of those people were really playing extremely well because most people in their archetype put thrown on the beach would just get eviscerated Mm -hmm. and they just didn't make it through the casting process right like but now they're willing to cast that archetype and i think i think if anything it, it raises those people's estimations by quite a bit yeah um but yeah i mean i actually liked zach i other than the tribal moment um and and when jeff was talking to him specifically so i'd, I'd be okay with like a zach 2.0 to be honest <laughs> i i thought he was pretty funny um and i was i was warming up to him a lot especially in that middle part when you know they were talking about like the young people were talking and they were talking about Harry Potter and I thought it was actually kind of fun. So, uh, love Zach. Glad he got to play the game. Glad he got to shout out survivor wiki. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right in what you said preseason, which no one can verify this, but you definitely did is that Zach was a lot like Adam Klein and Adam really benefited from being on a tribe of 10. I think Zach would also very much appreciate that extra hiding space. I mean, Jacob Derwin was too, but, um, he was almost, not at so oh yeah yeah i think on a second season where he has that extra space to adjust he might have a better chance but yeah Yeah, like he looks a lot like adam he sounds a lot like adam and yeah like that was my big takeaway in the preseason right is you know, Adam almost left on the line of Christian X. That time only went one time, and it was the crazy Mari vote, and Adam was next, and I mean, it, they took out Mari because she looked like the better player, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of worlds where Adam leaves, even on that 10-person tribe, um, but the fact that there was more options meant that, you know, more options to not be him. Yeah, I mean, I think Zach is pretty much what happens if Adam is on a smaller tribe. He also, a shout-out, looks like Linus Tectic quite a bit i don't know who that is <laughs> um he's a youtuber um and the, the I, I um the looks are identical in a way that um <laughs> is a, truly wild but uh yeah i mean i i really do think you're right he's, he's adam and in a way that means i mean i think adam's gameplay success was just ross positioning and that, i mean you have to be able to make it to the merge to for positioning to matter mm-hmm. so i mean maybe on a redo that could actually thread that needle in the same way and be a millionaire 
and be a respected game player that people on Reddit talk about is a very good player. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that brings us to our predictions. Um, we I think did pretty well this one. I think we both let Zach leave. Um, so on that note, who's the next boot? I think we both said it's Marianne. It's Marianne. I have no evidence to the contrary at this point. For me, it's Marianne unless this tribe doesn't lo- that tribe doesn't lose. Like <laughs> it's the only way it's not Marianne. And, mm. and like I'm like okay, so it's like Marianne or Rock. Roy, I think. I I don't know. I'm still feeling like a Tory could go <laughs> weirdly early. I mean, hey, wouldn't protest that. Uh, Joe, what's your winner list? Top five. So starting at five, these are all. I have three uh, Vati players: Mike at five, Daniel at four, Lydia at three, Swati is in second, and Omar, believe it or not, number one. And I have uh, to so. I'm going to move up Daniel, actually, now that we've talked. So I have Daniel number five. I have high number four. Um, I have, who do I have? I have Jenny number three, Omar number two, and Mike number one. Uh, an absolute Vati domination mm-hmm. um, for me. I really do think that the winner's probably on that tribe. Uh, and just a couple. But other than that, I, I do think I have a... a, a fairly fleshed out roster there um omar being the the one sneaking his way in there um but i think nonetheless it'll be a fun interesting season like i said i'm less high on this cast overall but that might not be a bad thing i think sometimes survivor seasons actually do well with less good casts because there's nobody like sucking up airtime necessarily um yeah i don't know i think i i like this cast more than last season i think there's they're more mediocre in general but like (laughs) (laughs) like their lows aren't so low is my point (laughs) it'd be the most backhanded thing i've ever heard you say um (laughs) and uh i guess so we we had some awards in the preseason one that uh died so um we thought omar or romeo was going to be the first boot uh didn't work out, and we're both actually pretty high on their long-term chances. Um, <laughs> as far as most confessionals in the premiere, I said Jackson. You said Tori. Uh, those actually were not bad guesses. Yeah. Pretty close. Was Tori number one? Zach was. Zach was number one. Okay. Yeah. Still, still, not bad. I mean, Tori probably is number one for people who's still in the game. Uh, Marianne and Omar had five each. Okay. Well, I was trying to give you a credit there, Joe. <laughs> Um, and it didn't work. I did get that Jonathan would be the first confessional. So that was fun. And, uh, most confessionals in the season, I went with Roxroy. That's not going to be the answer. No, I'm pretty sure you went with Swati, right? Oh, maybe I was Swati. We so didn't you... label these because I totally thought I was like, yes, I nailed that opening confessional with Jonathan, but it was totally you who put Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. So you went with Roxroy for most confessionals. I went with Swati. I can see Swati maybe being there, but I doubt it. I think yeah. she's more low-key. Um, looking at it now, I think I would go with... Um, I think I'll go with Mike. Mike will get the most confessionals. I think I'm going season. with Omar. Yeah, I mean, he did get five, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think... Like, Mike's good enough that he can talk for three minutes. Omar's confessionals, they're all short. Yeah, they'll they're, like, they're one line, because I don't think you want to listen to him talk for too long. So, yeah. Um, I'd love to see it, and I think I think this is gonna be a f- I think this will be a fun season to cover. Um yeah. I mean we that- did a 
we did a Heather award, like the person we forget yeah. about in a few episodes. And our picks were Drea and Jenny. And that's not the case. So I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, I guess from this, like, who is the Heather, right? Is it? It's Mariah, right? I think so. Or like Lindsay, honestly. <laughs> Like, yeah, or Lindsay. It's someone on this orange tribe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so, yeah, that's our show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. As always, we post this on the weekend uh, and between the episodes. Uh, you can contact us on Reddit or our, our email, thewinneredit at gmail.com. Um, on Reddit, on our Edgic, our Survivor, we post every week. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully you still enjoy this show. We've loved all the positive feedback last season. It was a lot of fun to do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so we'll keep doing there it. Was a clue. Yeah, Got the million dollar check. Late Gators. I mean, I'm I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop. This time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. Are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can, and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna.